0: fun you can do do those things but uh, I think the emphasis, emphasis should be more on the 3d content I think they're trying to appeal
1: to a certain audience by mm. bringing over these old-school arcade games into VR so they're bringing pac-man they're bringing you know all these 1980s mm. nostalgia and I wonder like I wonder they're thinking is yeah you can buy an NES or you can buy an Atari Or you can experience this better, Mm -hmm. you know, in VR. I wonder if that's their thinking, um, you know, tapping into that nostalgia. Because, again, they're going to pull out all the stops. Nostalgia, they're going to pull out, um, you know, just your explosions and every neuropsychology and behavioral Mm -hmm. psychology technique that they can think of, they're going to come out Mm -hmm. uh, with it. Um, So you're listening to the VR podcast. And right now I'm speaking to the legendary Fruxios. Um, he's the creator of so many things So many things I'm Chris Miranda, your host And I sort of caught you off guard So I apologize for that um, But I sort of do, tend to do things this way And it seems to be more natural It oh, works it's out It's still recording Yeah, it's still so it's <laughs> yeah. recording right now um, And yeah, thanks very much for coming on the show, man oh, Thank you for inviting me Dude, you, you're you so elusive it, People have been asking for this interview for a long time um, And yeah. I'm so happy that I caught you right before you're about to leave San Francisco <laughs> back to Czech Republic to to keep working on the metaverse. Um, it, briefly though, what what are some things that people know you for? You were creator of Sightline, Neos the Universe, um, uh,
0: running through the also work a lot of uh, like you mentioned Sightline and uh, the previous Sightline design, which was in the first VR gem, mm-hmm. uh, the Neos. And uh, another thing that i I've been working on for a while are light fields. Mm -hmm. and using light fields specifically for virtual reality for, for for example, reprojecting complex 3D scenes that you wouldn't otherwise be able to render in real time. How many Sorry. people know about this? Is this a known project that you've been working on Lightfields for a while? Uh, it's been mostly like uh, installs in development. I've released a few videos and few snippets. And uh, one person that I'm working with uh, a lot, uh, Everyday VR, or D. Yeah, D, uh, D of yes. course. He, he worked with me uh, on, on Lightfields. And he also, like, he talked a lot more to the community from what I've heard. But right. uh, I haven't released much information because Lightfields, for me, they are, they are sort of like... A, Uh, a new way to add uh, content into NEOs. So I want to make them available later from within NEOs so other people can start start leveraging light fields and using them. So I haven't uh, released much information publicly yet. Dude, you and and D working together seems like this like double dragon, match made in
1: heaven. <laughs> Two geniuses level over nine thousand working together in VR. What's
0: it like to work with D? How, how are you guys like? How what was your dynamic like? It's very fun because we we talk a lot about a lot of different topics, not just VR, but uh, even like a science, uh, education system. That's, that's What's your favorite non VR topic to talk about with D? Well, it's very difficult because they are all somehow related to VR, but it would be education. Mm-hmm. But we also we talked about education outside VR, but also how VR can be used to educate educate better. Yeah. And uh, speaking of the, of the dynamic uh, dynamic uh, working with these is was very uh, or is well. We are not working too much yet, uh, too much at this point. But I hope we will we we'll do so again later. But uh, working with him is great because he's, he's very he's very smart. And he's very like uh, self, uh, what's the word? Yeah. Self-driven or no, no, no like uh, self, uh, self-sufficient. Huh. So, for example, uh, I can tell him. Uh, I just tell him I'm working on this and this, and he can maybe give me some advice, like uh, because he knows uh, certain areas better. For example, with uh, compression, or I just tell, tell him I need something to do this, and uh, he handles it himself. He does, has, he does the research or he has the experience uh, in different areas so it's uh, we don't have to like uh, we don't have to explain things in very complex ways to each other mm-hmm. because we already like uh, understand all of all of a lot of the stuff and we share share like uh, similar visions yeah especially in the education system and uh, so 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 that's uh, that's very, uh, very what is agent.
1: what is it that you believe about education that you in that, uh, vr that you uh, that you speak to the about or, or?
0: Uh, education, it's quite a complex topic, topic because uh, there's, uh, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of problems with uh, the current state of the education system. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> there, there are many, many ways to resolve that. There's, there's actually a very great uh, book that I would recommend people to read if they want to, if they want to know more about uh, edu- education in general. It's called uh, Free to Learn by Peter Gray. And it covers a lot of of topics, but the the basic problem is that education system, it uh, kills curiosity in people, in little children. It creates atmosphere where where they feel, once they exit the school, they feel that education is something they are done with, that Mm -hmm. they don't have to learn more. And uh, essentially the the current way education works, at least in many, many, many schools, there are, of course, exceptions. Uh, it it doesn't correspond to the way we learn naturally, hmm. and that's something that the book actually, actually talks about. Uh, Free to learn. That uh, he he at the beginning of the book he explores how how the hunter and the gatherer societies learn because they don't have any schools, they don't have any formal education system, but they still have to learn a lot of stuff. So it's so it's very interesting to explore how do they learn. And you, you find out that there's this very interesting dynamic of different age groups, like uh, little children try to imitate the older ch- children, who try to imitate the even older children who imitate adults. And the adults also have a certain level of trust in, into, the, into the younger children. So, for example, they, they give them various tools that could be dangerous, like knives, mm-hmm. so they can start manufacturing tools. And uh, you have this complex dynamic of different age groups uh, interacting with, with each other, Trying to imitate each other, and that way they actually learn very efficiently. And that there are even schools today that are ex- like a Valley school, which are exploiting a lot of, lot of, lot of this uh, to apply it to, to the modern society. What kind of schools are these? Uh, I don't know the exact name. It's of, of, of the type of school. One of the schools is named Sudbury Valley school, and usually the other schools are, are named like Sudbury Valley type school. So, okay. Uh, uh, and so they use these techniques. Um, they use, uh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, I don't think um, I'm not sure if they use it uh, like explicitly. If they based it on the research, but uh, but uh, the way the, the, the children learn in these schools actually corresponds to the way they learn in the hunter and gatherer societies, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and uh, this, this all it, it works without virtual reality, but uh, I think that virtual reality can be used as uh, sort of a, a, a catalyst to get this type of education, uh, get it more, more widespread, but it can also enhance the way we learn about uh, things, uh, things that would, uh, for, for things from the modern society, like mathematics and physics, because uh, um Let me give you an example. If you you learn about physics uh, and you want to learn about physics of of a pendulum, for example, you can take any object, put it on a string and start swinging it around. And you can observe it. And you you can use your hand to stop the object, pull it to a certain height. Release it and see what happens. Or you can take a piece piece of spring and you can start stretching it, stretching it, and you feel the string making uh, push, pushing pushing out of your hands with a force, mm-hmm. and you have this sort of uh, intuitive understanding of of how how these physical elements work. If, if, you, if you stretch the string and uh, and if you release it, you don't even have to actually. You don't have to release it. You already know what's going to happen when you release it because you have this intuitive understanding. Of. And now, with uh, when you start learning physics, you can learn the uh, you can uh, learn the equations describing this behavior. Compute the exact force. You can ex- compute the exact vectors of, mm-hmm. of, of the interactions and. Uh, but what's important is that you that you link uh, these uh, geometrical abstractions and the equations, that you link it uh, and associate it with, uh, with the intuitive understanding of the spring. Nice. But this is something that you cannot do easily for things like uh, abstract geometry in mm-hmm. mathematics, or you can't do it uh, for quantum physics. Actually, one of the reasons that uh, Richard Feynman, a famous physicist, mm-hmm. he says that uh, nobody understands quantum physics, and the reason for that is that quantum physics is so alien. That uh, we, we can we can read the equi- equations we can t, uh, we can try to uh, try to understand the relations between between the various phenomena but we don't have the same level of intuitive understanding as we do with uh, with a piece of string or mm-hmm. uh, or, or the pendulum but virtually we can create uh, simulations of uh, the quantum effects and use various input methods like uh, that, that allow you to project, project your hands and interact with, with the virtual scene. You can in real time. You can play with the individual atoms, the, or rather visualizations of the of the of the atoms and uh, and uh, their wave functions. And you can just play around like in a yeah. sandbox. And you can you can gain intuitive. Uh, you can gain, gain the same intuitive understanding of the phenomena. As you do with a piece of string. And that, that's what VR enables us to do in education. I think it's huge. Things.
1: I think it's huge. You're right. Yeah. I mean, the visualization aspect of of all the abstract subjects that exist in the world, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it could bridge the gap. I mean, like intellectual gap between so many people. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I'm one of those guys that I um, went through algebra so many times through high school because I would just... I get to a certain point I'm like I, I can't see what you're trying to put on this board. I', can't, I don't know what I don't know what they're doing It was just this constant frustration but um, I mean with VR and being able to visualize uh, you know these abstract concepts and seeing them work, I think that would be amazing. I think we I think I mean one of the thing that makes me optimistic about the future is that maybe just maybe with VR we might create a million Einsteins because they'll have all this knowledge. I mean, uh, ingrained in their minds. So, I'm super excited about that.
0: Tell me more about your light field work. What is it exactly that you're working on right now? Uh, well, the light fields are so, so, sort of on hold as I'm uh, focusing on other projects right now. Uh-huh. But uh, essentially, maybe just start with uh, with, uh, with the original idea of why I wanted to do light fields in the first place, and mm-hmm. it started uh, actually with the, so with the education. And I saw actually on, on Imgur I saw some very cool GIF images of various chemical reactions like uh, uh, I am not sure how to describe them actually and that's, that's, that's the reason I want light fields because yeah. it's very, they, they look super cool but it's super difficult to explain it it's already cool enough to looking uh, to look at them on the computer screen mm-hmm. but now imagine if you could put this chemical reaction on a virtual table and look at it. Going in real time from any direction. Hmm. You could even freeze it, look around from different viewpoint, and uh, like, like like this is what sign effect sort of, yeah. and then then continue the simulation. And uh, do you think you'll be it? able to simulate chemical reactions? No, no, no. You don't have to simulate them. What uh, essentially that's the problem? That uh, the, the the reactions they are visually so complex that uh, that the computers wouldn't be able to handle. The they wouldn't be able to handle the simulation itself. Wow. But even if you like pre-animated it, it wouldn't wouldn't look, look anywhere close to the actual simulation. Wow. It would look as cool. So that's the problem. Like you, you could you use some some complex software uh, some 3D software as uh, 3ds Max or Maya to create uh, create the simulation or at least create the visualization that looks uh, very photorealistic. That's very original to the to the to how it looks in real life. But the, the problem with that is that it takes several hours to render. And uh, if, if you want to generate quickly a lot of different perspectives of the of the uh, of the reaction, you can't do that with the, with a the, with the Ray tracer. It takes a lot of time. Hmm. But what Lightfield allow you to do is essentially precompute a lot of a lot of uh, viewpoints of the of the uh, of the reaction. Like for example, a, a cover a dome. Like Mm -hmm. uh, around the reaction, Mm -hmm. and once you have this pre-computed data, you can uh, you store them in a structure called light field, Mm -hmm. and that allows you to very quickly use these different viewpoints to generate completely new viewpoints at real time Mm -hmm. without having to do the complex ray tracing that goes uh, into rendering the light or synthesizing the light field itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was the very original idea why why I wanted to start doing light fields, Mm -hmm. so I can so 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 we can. Uh, create a light field rig mm-hmm. from remote world cameras or we can create a virtual rig like in a, three, uh, a 3D modeling software. So you and can,
1: oh, sorry to interrupt, so, so I was in the impression that you can only create light fields with cameras, but you're saying that you can create light fields with a, an engine like Unity?
0: Yes, yes. Sir. How well, does that work? But essentially, it's just a virtual camera, so it, okay. it, yeah, it works like uh, like in the audio position. You have a camera which has some, some lens, which has some projection function, it has some field of view, and it has some position in space, and it, it captures the scene from from that point mm-hmm. in space. And in the engines like Unreal, Unity, or, or the ray tracers like Blender, or uh, 3DS, or uh, Maya, essentially do the same except that there's no, there's no physical scene <laughs> there's just <a, clears> the <throat> there's just <clears throat> sorry there's just a, a abstract representation in the memory of the computer and you compute the scene but mm. the camera functions the same it has some projection function it has some position oh. in space so it it, it behaves for uh, like under uh, abstract level it behaves sort of like the physical camera Wow okay so uh, if, if you can capture we can capture uh, the viewpoints of of the of the, of the, uh, of the reaction with mm-hmm. the real camera. We can do the essentially the same equivalent with the virtual camera. And so you're using an engine or a camera right yeah. now? Uh, we did both actually. I used a Blender a lot to render some light fields. For example, I have uh, like a render of a of a tiger. Hmm. And the tiger, it has uh, very soft fur, hmm. and the fur is actually geometry. It's like uh, it's and and, and he also standing in grass, and the grass is, itself is geometry, and it's like uh, it's like sev- several several hundred million vertices. Wow. It's very 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 complex scene, and it takes the computer se- several minutes minutes to render just one viewpoint. So, but if uh, if you render all of the viewpoints into the light field, it, it will take even longer time. But what you can do later with these rendered viewpoints is that you can create new viewpoints by interpolating uh, the data from from the viewpoints at real time, and it's it, it's very very fast. Like it's uh, a lot of in programming, you have you have you have this uh, you have. Uh, you have to balance, like, uh, memory and uh, computing resources, and this is, uh, the light field is, like, completely on the side of the memory. That uh, You need quite a lot of memory, mm-hmm. but you don't, uh, you need very little computing resources, because the recom- computation of the new viewpoints is just so fast. So for someone who's, like, out of the frame, who's just
1: listening to this conversation, they have no idea what the fuck a light field is, I mean, how can you, how do you, Tell people, all right, these are the different applications for light fields. Um,
0: and why would you use light fields over
1: what we already have? Like, how do you explain that?
0: Well, uh, I would combine it with one way of explaining a light field is mm-hmm. comparing it to traditional photography. You have some scenery, mm-hmm. and it can be objects or it can be like a whole landscape. Mm-hmm. And you take a camera and you photograph it from, from a single point of space. Now we have an image of the scene. And what you can do, you can look at this image, you can look from at different sides. But uh, let's, Im- uh, let's something. Uh, let, let me give you something specific. Like you have uh, you have uh, you have a desk mm-hmm. in the scene, and behind the desk is something. Mm-hmm. And if you photograph it from the de- uh, the desk covers most of the scene, uh, and you have a photo of that, you cannot. Uh, like uh, move your head and look over the desk. What was behind the desk? Mm-hmm. That's not possible because you have uh, the light information for just a single point in space, mm-hmm. and you are now constrained to the single point of space, and you can you can't visualize the scene the scene from any other point. What light field does? is uh, essentially capture data from a lot of points in space, and uh, these points for uh, for for for, uh, for the light field let's uh, not bother with the other ones now mm-hmm. uh, for for, uh, for the light field it uh, ca- captures points that form a two-dimensional surface which can be a plane or it can be like a sphere or hemisphere and essentially what, what this allows you to do is then this this uh, this two-dimensional surface like a plane or surfer, or a sphere mm-hmm. it becomes so, sort of a window into the scene so you can within you can look all around this window, and you can generate new views of the scene. So if the window goes over, uh, like uh, goes above the above the desk, now with the light field image, you can move move your head up and look over over the table because it it has the the light data from behind the table.
1: The only limitation would be that you couldn't look under the table because there wouldn't be any light data from beneath it, would there? Be? Well,
0: if, if it covers the, the if it covers uh, the uh, like like let's say the plane is. Uh, is, uh, the center of the plane is mm-hmm. uh, aligned with the, with the surface of the table, mm-hmm. and uh, the plane goes above the, t- above the table, and mm-hmm. it goes below the table, then you, you could see under the table. Oh, OK. Yeah, so, so it only depends on how big the window is and how much scene it covers. Right. Like, uh, if, if if you imagine it, like, a, let's say I put any like a piece of paper. Uh, I don't have a piece of paper here. <laughs> actually, I have this. Yes. Let's 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 say that uh, you have uh, actually. What would be better is a a frame, like an image frame. Oh, let's imagine that this is an image frame. you, You can see through this. Yes. And you position this somewhere in space. Right. And now imagine that everything outside the frame. You, you don't have the data for that, so you don't see anything. Yeah. But anything that you can see through the frame, you capture the, you capture the data flowing through the surface of the plane. But you can now generate views even like uh, from from behind the plane. So so the so, so the frame behaves like uh, like sort of a window into the entire yeah. virtual scene. So you can start looking around, look close to the plane. And it has depth. I mean, yes, that's it, do, it. it has depth because uh, the depth is actually like sort of automatic because uh, for 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 the depth perception. You have uh, you have essentially just two views, and mm-hmm. those, those two views are separated. And because uh, those two views are at different points in space, mm-hmm. each of the views gets a different uh, different reprojection of the scene. But what's, what's even more important is that uh, if the if the frame is big enough, you can actually m- move your view, so you get you get uh, motion parallax. Which is which is all more important than the perception. Actually, it, it gives it gives all more to the scene. And now we mentioned that the frame. It wasn't uh, it wasn't just just a plane, but it was uh, for example a sphere. And that sphere can be either around you, mm-hmm. so you actually capture capture all the light coming to this spherical volume. Mm-hmm. So you can look in absolutely any direction, and you can move freely within the within the sphere. You can move anywhere within the sphere. So uh, and the, the 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 environment that you are looking at through through this sphere will be reprojected up uh, will be reprojected as if you moved within the physical or the original uh, environment itself. Hmm. So you get you would get you would get, uh, you would get um, sorry and get motion motion parallax you will get proper stereoscopy and everything that That's comes with it
1: crazy and it looks and it looks
0: uncanny it looks real because it's yeah.
1: re- it it is yes. real yes. <laughs> so Sorry. it's like so it's so so the race to create uncanny to cross the uncanny valley into like virtual <laughs> environments um is like has already been crossed like we've already I mean I mean the, the consumer hasn't seen the finish line yet but like people who are aware of what Otoy is doing for example like they, they they know that the uncanny Valley has been sort of crossed on that on that end you know obviously there's limitations in resolution of screens and all that stuff but but
0: well, with light fields, there's more like the limitations come from the memory and that, that's actually uh, the part we cooperated with the D you said yeah that we did uh, light field compression so we can compress the light fields for in the GPU memory and we could have very big light fields in in uh, in the uh, like visualized yeah, in real time, and the biggest we did was uh, I think about seven, 17 gigapixels, so it was a lot of visual data, but it fitted on the into the VRAM so It was like I think three hundred megabytes or so. Wow!
1: So you were compa- you could, you com- you compressed it from seg-
0: seventeen gigs. Uh, the, the original was I think forty-eight giga- gigabytes. Holy no, shit! Yeah, <laughs> you, you can get one image. Yeah. forty-eight. Oh, light field image. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's right. Yeah. actually because the light fields have a lot of redundant data, so you can... Because you have a lot of viewpoints, but mm-hmm. a lot of the viewpoints are nearby uh, each other, and they are of the same scene, mm-hmm. so you can exploit it and get get uh, a, lot of, a lot of savings. So. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the compression ratios for real time was about, I think, we, we got... Uh, we got a scale, like, uh, and the, the more compressed it was, it was also lossy, compre- lossy compression. So the more it was lost, the worse it looked. But uh, with uh, with uh, we got about one one to thirty compression ratio with very good uh, visuals. And uh, if, if we worked on it more, we could even I think we could push it even more. No. And uh, but what I we also say is that with LightViews, we have uh, sort of. Uh, Limitation that uh, if you have a lot more scenes, that you need even more data. Uh, so if uh, if you wanted to say like across the uncanny Valley and create very very uh, very realistic uh, person, like a uh, visualization of, of some of some person, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to animate the person mm-hmm. because it's it's like it's just like a photography, but mm-hmm. photography with with uh, uh, with the uh, motion parallax. Uh, but uh, so. What I focused on is uh, integrating cross with existing scenes. So you could, for example, take, uh, like I said, we, can, we could take uh, the chemical reaction, and you could put it in your Unity scene or Unreal scene, put it on a virtual table, which is just a 3D mesh, and now start interacting with it. You could, you could uh, use it as any kind of, like, like it was just a mesh renderer. It would blend with the scene properly. It, I did actually demo on the, uh, showing that concept uh, using uh, diamonds which we were ray traced, and it took about. Uh, it was a very complex function because it simulated how the light actually refracts refracts through the diamond. Oh, I've and seen this demo. Yes.
1: D showed it to me. Oh, that's yeah. an awesome demo, man! Yeah. Like, so you guys worked on that together. Yes,
0: that's awesome. And uh, what what happened? With, what I did with that is that uh, the diamond itself. It uh, it's took about. Uh, to, to generate a single view, it took several minutes. Yeah. And uh, so, so to generate like several thousand views, it took, uh, I think, a few days. Wow. But uh, what was an important part of the project is that uh, the light field itself, it, it could be uh, just an, an, another object in the virtual scene, and the rest of the scene could be, could be traditional 3D models. Mm. For, for, but for the diamonds, uh, they were visualized using the light field, which allows them to look uh, really nice, because you wouldn't be able to Render the diamonds with this fidelity in real time yeah. because it took the ray tracer. You could like you could approximate the diamonds using the real-time rendering, but it wouldn't allow you. It would not allow you to get diamonds this nice in real time because it just takes so much time to compute. I gotta tell you, those were the nicest diamonds I've ever seen <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> in the game engine. <laughs> and that's, 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 thanks to white fields. Oh,
1: that's crazy. What? So. I mean, at the end of the day, what is it that you're trying to create
0: with this, you know, technology that you're working on? I mean, what's your end goal? Well, like I said, it's it's some content that we wouldn't be otherwise able to do, uh, to, to visualize in virtual reality. And uh, like, what we also doing a lot is they are doing environments, and uh, while we could do that too, and we did some demos with environments as well, my focus uh, and my personal interest was uh, getting, like, from the original point was getting like these complex chemical reactions so people so you can capture the complex chemical reaction once and then, uh, then you can just distribu- distribute the data and everyone can view the same chemical reaction anytime they want they just need to put the VR headset on or you could for example take some very rare objects from a museum mm-hmm. capture capture a light field like coil, essentially capture the light coming from the object and use it to reconstruct the views of the object uh, for anyone. So anyone could like, uh, use for example the Oculus Touch or Leap Motion to grab this virtual object and rotate it in, ha- in their hands and it would look photorealistic because, oh, wow. because what we are doing is just uh, taking the light rays coming from the object and generating new views from it instead of using some uh, like uh, mesh approximation of the object.
1: Wow. So, yeah, in that demo with D, I remember using leap motion to yes. like swipe it with my hands. Yes, yes, yes. And I was like, okay, this is. See, the thing is, I, back then I didn't understand light fields as much as I do now. No. And trust me, I don't know anything. But but still, like back then I was like, oh, D, D what are you showing me? Like, oh, this is, this is light fields. And I'm like, okay. Uh, and so I look inside and there are gorgeous diamonds. And mm-hmm. I just remember moving my, my hand around, but like. What I didn't understand is that how you got those diamonds, you know, to be there. It wasn't just like, uh, you know, Maya, or, or, or it was like actual.
0: Yeah, yeah. actually, pre-run using Blender and uh, yeah. uh, actually used some, some some existing diamond asset. I didn't make the part myself, but mm-hmm. I did uh, I did the light field synthesis from the Blender. So the Blender actually produced the light field data, mm-hmm. and I could use the light field data to. Generate new views of the object in real time in Unity. And also that the object was blended correctly. So, you could, uh, so it was uh, blended uh, with uh, other geometry and other light fields. And you could attach it to to, to just any game, game object in Unity, attach a physic, uh, physics simulation to it, and uh, just play with them with your hands. Uh, is, is, is creating you know is,
1: is creating 3D objects out of light like, fields more efficient for develop? Do you think it will, do you think that's the future of, of bringing in virtual objects? I mean,
0: or or what do you think? It's definitely or? one of the way one of the ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, what light like folks have is that uh, with a good resolution they have complete fidelity because all all of 3D graphics is still. To, lesser, to 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 different extents, its approximation, and often uh, often like it didn't even correspond to what behaves physically. It doesn't correspond to how light behaves physically. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, for example, you have like the traditional real, real-time 3D pipeline. It doesn't, it it doesn't correspond at all to how 3 how how light behaves in the real world. It's, it's just mathematical linear transformation, and then you do a lot of vector operations to compute something that looks like proper lightning. And you have to fake a lot of uh, a lot of. Uh, if you want to like uh, get uh, get uh, get uh, let's say some like glass refraction effect, you have to fake it like by by, by moving moving the pixels, shifting the pixels in the in the area based on some offset. Hmm. And uh, or you have to or you have complex ob- objects which has some like uh, inner transparency, also it's it's one of the things that's also very difficult to fake. Mm-hmm. Even even transparency itself it like it, it gives a lot of grief in the in the in the rendering pipeline and the rendering engines, especially when when you use uh, deferred render- rendering. And uh, essentially, there's there's a ton of faking of, of yeah. uh, to, to get something look as close to the as close to photorealism as possible. Right. And we, we we got very good at the faking, like uh, all of the all of the modern games they are very photorealistic. Mm-hmm. But it, at the background, it uh, it usually doesn't uh, doesn't correspond to what what happens in the real life, so it's uh, uh, and to the physics behind it. So it it does in some parts to some extent, but uh, uh, in a lot of parts it's is a lot of like fine tuning to, to get the desired look. And uh, with light fields, essentially you you don't have to worry about it because mm-hmm. what you do is you have the you either use some uh, path tracer or. Specifically, like ray tracer, which uh, which which is actually modeled about how uh, more or less how how, how light behaves uh, in in the uh, like physically. But it it takes it's very it takes a lot of time to render, so you can't do the rendering in real time. Like there are some uh, ray tracing applications in real time, but they are very limited. And usually these these uh, like Blender or Maya they take uh, hours or even days to render a single frame because the computations are so intense. But it it's currently the the, the light uh, it the scenes look more photorealistic because. Uh, uh, you don't have to do so much faking, so you can achieve the photorealism uh, easier. And with light fields, what you can do is either use the path tracer, which is modeled more after the physical behavior of the light, and uh, essentially you, you compute the light, light trace, uh, uh coming, coming, through or coming through the cameras or coming through the dimensional surface, and you save that. Mm-hmm. So you can then use the light rays to, uh, to create new views of the object in real time, mm-hmm. and you know that these light rays are come from from a path tracer which is more photorealistic, or you capture the light rays from the real world, mm-hmm. and essentially then it's the same. Like the light doesn't care where the, where the light rays come from, but uh, and the light, the light rays can come from either like physical world where we know that the light behaves. It does, mm-hmm. <laughs> and or you do, uh, do it from from some software which uh, handles uh, the rendering to be uh, to be physically correct, so or exactly, as physically correct yeah. as possible. And so with light force, you can get very easily uh, you can you get the photorealism automatically. That's and You awesome. don't have to you don't have to worry about uh, approximating the complex uh, interactions of the light on uh, the on the surface of the object, or even the volume of the object. You don't have to com uh, uh, you don't have to worry about approximating the geometry of the, ob- of the object. <laughs> Because uh, uh, light fields essentially allow you to do sort of like a, like a, it, it uh, sort of uh, cuts off the, the geometry complexity. The ob- object can be super geometrically complex, yeah. but all that information is lost because all that you save in the light field are is that just the light coming from it, right. and not 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 the geometry itself. Wow.
1: Um, we could spend the whole the rest of the podcast talking about light fields easily, easily. Um, so I'm gonna switch tracks a little bit and, and and talk about you. I wanna know more about you. What is the origins of fruxios? And like, how did you like? How did you? How did you get involved in VR? Like, what is? What's your origin story? Like, for those who might not know who this legendary
0: man I'm speaking to oh. is. Oh. Uh, I don't know how soon I, I should start, but uh, like should I start in my like childhood or Just from yeah. the inception? When did it all start? Like everything. Well, well, it, it's sort of uh, th- 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 that's the difficult to answer because it's sort of like gradual process. Mm-hmm. So, but I would say that uh, like since, since I was very little, I loved like um, creating stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I used to uh, draw a lot. Like uh, I drew a lot of machines, but uh, like fictional machines. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even uh, I loved electronics. Like uh, I got a toy. But uh, I played with the toy for a while, but then I got bored and I disassembled it. <laughs> and then I used the parts to create my own, like, new toys. And Whoa,
1: that's crazy. I, see, I, I would get toys and I would throw them in the water and I would <laughs> never get, and I would never see them again because <laughs> they'd end up in the garbage. So thank you for uh, showing me off there. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> You're creating
0: transformers out of your toys. <laughs> uh, not sure if transformers, but what I did is, uh, for example, take, uh, like, uh, uh, a remote control racing car. Uh-huh. And I disassembled it. I I took a cup from yogurt and I made a blender, functioning blender. Then I, <laughs> then I threw food, food like corn flakes and I mixed them to dust. And then I ate it. Oh my god, dude! Wow. <laughs> and then, then later on, I did like like I said. I, I even used the read a lot, like a roll mm-hmm. of encycl- en- encyclopedias, I loved t- learning about the world, mm-hmm. about the world. And, uh, where does that come from? Where where do you, where is that your thirst, your hunger for learning? Where where I do just, you think it comes from? I just have natural curiosity, and uh, that actually comes with the educa- uh, What I said before about uh, education. I think that uh, a lot of people have. Uh, to some extent, have uh, some level of curiosity when they are ch- children. They are interested about a lot of things. But what school does is that it kills this natural curiosity for, for a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So they stop being interested about. How did you survive? How did your curiosity not die through your school years? Uh, well, uh, that's a little, a little complex, but because uh, there's a lot of lot of uh, lot of like influences. And uh, for for one, I had uh, a lot of great teachers. Like uh, a lot of people who supported the curiosity, but uh, also I feel that I had a very strong curiosity, like uh, maybe stronger than other other people have, but that's that's just my speculation because it's very difficult to compare. Mm -hmm. Like, there's not like some scale that you could use, but uh, uh, anyway, I should continue. Later on I actually got uh, my first computer when I was 12 and uh, I didn't, it was just, uh, it was very difficult to get because um, um, my my mom was already single uh, by the time and uh, she had to like uh, give up her uh, pension fund Mm. to to buy the the very first computer. then I started playing with the computer. I started actually using PowerPoint, PowerPoint to create like these simple click and point games. Like, when, and it was mostly like uh, you, you were maybe given two choices. Uh, so, so some games were a little, a little bit more complex, but uh, but uh, it was very silly and it was very start. like what? I was,
1: one second, you were when you were 12, you're creating games with PowerPoint. Yes. What? No, I didn't know that was possible. What? <laughs> I just think it, dude, that's insane <laughs> and awesome. Like, how, but Continue, continue. I could, I, I, we can spend another half hour talking about PowerPoint. Games.
0: Yes. Actually, I still have some of them. Dude, can
1: I try one later? Um,
0: maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if I, I don't actually have PowerPoint on this computer, but uh, <laughs> I, can, I can install some. Okay. Anyway. Uh, anyway. Okay. Uh, uh, later on, I actually got uh, got uh, like a game making tool. It's uh, okay. called GameMaker. Maker, and uh, I started. Uh, did this allowed me to make all the more complex games. Uh, How and, old were you then? Uh, I think I was 13 or so. 13. Okay. And uh, it was pretty soon. But I even back then, I didn't. I still didn't have internet, which was very very difficult because I, I had to like I had to go to the library to to find some tutorials and uh, oh, or yeah. even and most, most of the learning was. Uh, was like uh, uh, using the documentation and uh, using the, what's it called, uh, trial and error to do figure you, things out. Do, sorry, Svarab, do you
1: think that your lack of internet actually like helped you um, because you had less distractions and you had to like, dig. I mean, my my thinking is like, I had too much internet. And I and I, and so because of that I couldn't focus and I ended up in the porn sites at the same age that you were creating the Matrix in thirteen. I mean, what do you think? Or, or do you think that you would have your stubborn curiosity would have carried through all the distractions that the internet was throwing at you back then?
0: No, uh, I think actually it was worse that I didn't have internet yet. I mm. wanted internet for a long while because. Uh, uh, I used internet like uh, in libraries in school and such and I used every opportunity to find the stuff that could help me get my work uh, further because mm. that's, that's, it was very uh, very fun to work on the games and mm. it was uh, just it was natural. I loved loved making games I loved to, like uh, bringing the ideas out of my head and making them into into the living world that other others could interact with and uh, s- because and when, when I got uh, the internet uh, later, Actually, it helped me to uh, grow even faster, nice. and uh, I still kept ma- using Game Maker to make a lot of games. Like I ma- made dozens and dozens of games within within uh, within a few years, and uh, often times I-, I tried to like imitate uh, the games I liked, and uh, but also throw new ideas. And this is actually funny because it, uh, it's it's uh, when I later read the book Free to Learn, I read how the children learn in the hunter and gatherer societies, and it was actually by imitating the the adults imitating what they do, and mm-hmm. that's very similar to what, what I did, I, I sort of imitated all of the stuff from the games I loved and played mm. myself. And uh, that way, I actually, and uh, because even, when, for example, when, when I played games back then, I often looked at how they solve the different uh, things, how they solve different problems, how they solve like, uh, uh, whether it's a fix level, level design, or whether wow. it's a story, storytelling and things like that, and I just sort of got it from, from the professional and done, done games. Wow. And uh, because uh, for, for the actual game game uh, creation, I didn't have, I didn't, I never read a book how to make a game. Yeah. I never, never the, the what or even tutorial. I, I mostly what I did is uh, read tutorials and books and uh, specifications of programming languages and libraries and things like that. What are the three games that have influenced you the most um, in
1: your game making character persona?
0: Well, that's. <laughs> I usually find these questions a little bit difficult to answer, because I don't like to quantize the... Uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, Quantify. Quanti- quantifies. Yeah. Quantify things, but... Uh, because there's tons of games that yeah. influence me, and there's uh, there's still a lot of new games that like influenced me just a year ago or so. True, true. But uh, what I played a lot as uh, Skate was uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, and it's still one of my favorite franchises, and... Uh, Actually, I can't think of any other now. Really? <laughs> 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 That's awesome. You like Sonic that much, huh? Yeah. No, there was a lot of other games, but like I said, I like I, I can't I can't think of many of them, but I can not think of uh, like just two others, like that would fit into the other two, like uh, into into the three, because then then. Uh, I would leave out uh, some other game. Like yeah. I, I played like uh, a I played like Mortal Kombat. I played like Mickey Mouse, and uh, uh, just, just 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 a lot of them. I even played like uh, the the cheap uh, cheap Tetris games that you can buy. Yeah. And uh, but later on.
1: what is it that Sonic the Hedgehog got right that spoke to you?
0: What is it that like it made you play so much Sonic the Hedgehog? It was fun, it had good music and it was fast. It was fast, fun, <laughs> yeah, like good fun. music. Yes. Soundtracks are
1: important man. Yes, Soundtracks yes. are not to be underestimated. Yes. Like I gotta say, um, some of my favorite games are or are only my favorite because of the soundtrack. Like yes. Halo could be just any other first person shooter, I'm sorry sorry Halo fans, but like but that music makes it so epic. <laughs> yes. it's, it's, yeah, and yes. it's just you're right. Yeah. Audio is the second half that no one likes to speak yeah.
0: about. Yeah, it actually the, the very first sideline for for the VR is It had interactive soundtrack, and uh, mm. a, lot, a lot of people back then liked it. Like they they felt like it uh, it. Is sort of amplified what they are exp- experiencing. So, for example, I don't know if you if you played the original sideline like like yeah yeah when you, for example so when, when you get into the eleva- elevator and the elevator starts uh, starts uh, climbing, see, yeah. uh, climbing and then then your view you gets covered and mm-hmm. now now you come out in the forest yeah and the music just goes into full blown like. Uh, you know, like like full full orchestral, yep, yep. and now it stops and the music gets soft again, and yep. you have to solve a puzzle. And it uh, so and like you're right, and that's, that's one of the things that uh, that also like uh, love putting in my games. And uh, actually, uh, actually one of the influences for it is also uh, from existing games is Portal Portal 2, basically, nice. because it had uh, it had also very nice procedural uh, soundtrack. Yeah, and voice sure. acting. Yes, voice acting as well. Yeah. Although the, the original, uh, my games didn't have much voice acting until recently, and they still don't. Yeah. But,
1: yeah. Oh, uh, well, if you need a voice actor, I'm <laughs> not one. <laughs> but I might know a person or two.
0: I know a few as well, like uh, I got a very, very good, she's uh, actually friend uh, for, for the New the Universe, uh, nice. Silent, Silent Roads, and uh, she has... Uh, she 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 also uh, playing games herself a lot. Nice. And uh, she has uh, it was really funny because I was uh, talking with her and her boyfriend on the on the Skype. Yeah. And uh, they, they, they started like uh, just joking around, like uh, doing little impersonations. And I noticed she has like she has this uh, great voice that she's able to impersonate and create and articulate uh, in a very nice way. Like it was very very like i say vivid, but vivid right. in the in the audio spectrum. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so I asked her like, did she do any voice acting before? And uh, and, and eventually I got her to like uh, do audition, and uh, and then she did like the voice for for the universe. She actually, uh, I had a had a role for her in in the full, full sideline the game, but that's the sort of on hold. But. Uh, but uh, she, she's, a, she's a great voice actor that's like, awesome. she, she, she stood out because we, we already did auditions uh, for, for a lot of people a lot of people sent sound samples for mm-hmm. Uh but uh, all of them were very like monotone and bland but mm-hmm. uh, she was just amazing that's awesome and,
1: uh, that's good cool that you're able to spot talent when you see it Like uh, you know when you see someone who's like uh, oh this person has a pretty good talent in something it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's nice it's like uh, mm-hmm. shit I better get them before someone else does because yes. it's a limited amount of time so let's fast track how did you get involved in VR like what was that first what were your first interactions with VR in the first yes. place And what made you
0: what made you realize that okay this is it this is it's actually happening oh there's actually one uh, one step before that, if, okay. uh, like uh, or a few steps, uh, but I'm to shorten it a little bit. Yeah, like uh, I, like I said, I started making games in the Game Maker, and I eventually started learning scripting language. Mm-hmm. But uh, it soon wasn't enough. It was very difficult to get the ideas I had in my head to implement with Game Maker. Like it, it kept slowing me down, and uh, like I think it's a great tool because it, it makes it very simple to start. Uh, but, uh, but as you grow and as, as we want to do more complex things, it becomes a lot more difficult to them with this tool. Mm-hmm. And I started exploring other, th- other things. I started uh, learning other languages. I, for example, did my like, own, uh, I started doing my own uh, game engine in C++. And, uh, and some games with that mm-hmm. but then for a while I stopped, stopped doing uh, stop doing games and I started exploring uh, low level things and mm-hmm. making my own processor architectures mm-hmm. and uh, that's uh, because uh, because I started like learning how how the processors work on low level in the computer so because uh, th- 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 this again the curiosity. I, I just uh, I and sort of, I get this very bad feeling when I don't understand how something works. I just, I just need to know how, how it works. You must go crazy about quantum mechanics then. Yes, <laughs> I have like this huge list of things that I want to learn. I have like tons of books, like on biology, psychology, physics, and, and things like that, that. I keep reading whenever I can. What is just, just to learn. What's the most difficult subject to grasp for you, um, of all the ones
1: that you're interested in?
0: <laughs> all, all of them that I don't know yet. Okay, <laughs> good it, answer. It, it's actually a funny feeling because like uh, even a few years ago that uh, I now understand things that uh, I felt just a few years ago that uh, it's so complex that I would never understand it. Oh, like, wow! Uh, it, it it changes once once you, once you understand it once you, once you get this sort of uh, so great sort of model in your head that uh, that uh, it. It, it becomes much easier. Like it, it becomes so obvious, like uh, that, that you don't even understand how you could not understand it before. <laughs> and uh, but one of, one of the things that I started doing, I was, uh, started exploring how the processors work. Mm-hmm. And once I l- learned that, uh, I still actually remember the moment because I was I was driving from from high school on the bus, and I stored like Wikipedia articles and uh, and books on my old uh, PDA, and I picked. The 214 and I kept reading in the bus like mm. on the way home and uh, I just I remember remember just reading about the processor and I went, oh so is how the processor works now it all makes sense wow and I, like the, the moment when, when it suddenly clicks and you understand like how it all comes together wow and then I started thinking how how, how they could work differently mm. like radically differently like because the, 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 the way processors works uh, work it's uh, it dates back to the like uh, to the half of the 19th century and to the analytical engine created by James Bobbage, mm-hmm. which was like a mechanical mechanical device, but it actually had uh, it had like a instructions, it had uh, jumps, conditional jumps, and things like that. Essentially, sort of like assembly in, in uh, what assembly does in the contemporary processors, mm-hmm. uh, CPUs. That is, and. Uh, and the CPUs uh, they differ on a lot of, a lot of details, but uh, they work on the same core principle. And what I started doing is uh, thinking if, if I if they could work in completely different principles. And I started creating series of uh, process, of uh, experimental. Or as I call them, avant-garde uh, <laughs> processor architectures. Because I also got interested uh, with avant-garde music, like, uh, like sp- pushing the boundaries of what music is. So I st- started like pushing boundaries of what uh, processor is. Nice. And with that, I, I entered uh, based on impulse uh, from from my teacher because back then I was super shy. Like I, I didn't even want to show my work to much to many people. I didn't. I was scared talking to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, I started started uh, and essentially my teacher he sort of uh, encouraged me to to get into science fair and through the science fair I, I had a feeling like I I can't win this like I I, I will drop out and uh, I'll be over it and no and and getting to the to the winning the national uh, national uh, round wow. and they sent me to Intel uh, so uh, it was and it was quite uh, relatively recently. Uh, it was in 2012, yeah. so I was still in uh, like uh, last year of high school, mm-hmm. and uh, I went went to the US with with my project, and I won even grand award there at wow. Intel ISEF in Pittsburgh. And uh, what was I, your project? What was your? Um... It was the experimental processor architecture. I, I showed like uh, one primary one, one called uh, 2D VPU. Uh, but uh, what what happened there changed me a lot because uh, at, at the opening ceremony of Intel said, there was uh, Intel's futurist David Bra- Brian Johnson mm-hmm. and he, he started talking about how today uh, how today that uh, things uh, that that our uh, imagination is constrained uh, no sorry uh, Brian he said it differently. Mm-hmm. And he was actually quoting, I think, uh, CEO of Intel, I'm, I'm not sure now. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, but not important the uh, words are. Yeah. And he, he, he said that uh, uh, today that the technology is constrained only by the limits of our imagination because the technology has progressed so far that a lot of things that, uh, that you can do a lot, wide a lot variety of things, but uh, what's more important is imagining, what you, what you could do, how the technology could work, what you could make the technology do. And uh, he also talked a lot about how how uh, how it's good to pursue your own dreams, how to how to like the the things that you imagine. That uh, that uh, he talked that a lot of people like feel very passive about the future. That future is something that happens to them. Mm -hmm. But he said that it's wrong. That we are actually right now that we are building the future. Mm -hmm. So we need to. each like. uh, uh, contribute and uh, build the future that we want, or con- contribute to building the future that we want. Mm-hmm. And that, that essentially changed me because before I had the idea that uh, I would just get some job somewhere and uh, work on some one of those projects and uh, I wasn't too happy about it. But uh, but actually encouraged me to drop out of the university. I was just one semester, wow. and uh, and start working on my own stuff. And I started working on mobile games, but uh, I found that uh, that the market was uh, too saturated. <laughs> yes, probably <laughs> not. And it was I think uh, and then in like 2013, uh, I saw the Oculus Kickstarter. Uh, actually, it, it, it grabbed my attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw that. Uh, uh, like immediately when I saw, saw the device, I did I didn't know much about VR before, and uh, so 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 the VR was uh, sort of new for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm always like uh, I love the new technology. I love trying new things because even if they fail, someone has to try. Someone has to explore. Mm-hmm. So, so those things. So I actually backed it and uh, and uh, because immediately when I saw the saw the DK1. And it was just on the Kickstarter page. I haven't even tried it myself. Mm-hmm. I started imagining what we could do with it, and actually got the, got the very initial idea for sightline. I imagined like that you are in a terrain, and uh, as you are looking around, the, the terrain behind you is changing, so uh, creating very confusing, confusing environment. So and, smart.
1: So you uh, pioneered something there because when you when I first tried the first sightline, like no one had done what you were doing. <laughs> so
0: uh, yeah, pat
1: yourself on the back. you were pioneering <laughs> that, and <laughs> That's awesome, dude.
0: Yeah, and, and the, the the ties sort of what uh, into what what I'm also doing doing now that uh, like uh, because I love imagining a lot, a lot of worlds uh, and uh, a, lot, a lot of the time like from 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 when I was little, and reading and writing the books I mm-hmm. was imagining these complex worlds with characters and uh, behaviors and places and uh, music also and uh, I- imagining them mm-hmm. and I sort of wanted to talk like, uh, share them with others. That's awesome. Sure, 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 And what I often try is with these words is try to make them different, like make them different from what we experience uh, in the world. So that's also, for example, one of the reasons I became a fan of the surrealism, like as uh, artistic, uh, artistic. Uh, like an artistic take on the yeah, world right yeah, now, like artistic genre. Yeah, because uh, like in surrealistic works, you have something that's very alien, that's very different, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's why it's so interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And that's also why I started making, uh, making. Uh, well, actually, when I got to the DK1 first, uh, mm-hmm. I started like uh, playing around with it to make made some like little games. That, what was that, like, what was your first
1: reaction when you tried the DK1? What did you think?
0: Well, I, I, it was very surprising. I actually remember that I put it on, on I didn't even I did not even swap the lenses yet, mm-hmm. but um, I, I see very very badly into the distance. And uh, I put put the DK1. Uh, the image was very blurry, but I was like <laughs> was like up uh, there. Like it felt it felt. Like nothing that found it felt like nothing before. Like I felt like I was actually part of the environment, mm-hmm. and uh, then immediately I started like playing a lot of a lot of different application uh, like uh, games, but there wasn't too much of them yet. And uh, one of one of the first things that I did is that I spent uh, the first uh, the first uh, night. Uh, playing through through Half-Life VR, wow! And uh, I actually played, I think, through the entire first uh, first uh, first game. How are you able to do such
1: things? That was uh, that was one of the. Most, I mean, I, I love the shit out of Half-Life, Half-Life too. Don't get me wrong, but like that got me really sick in the first ten minutes. It's one of the. It's probably. It was probably in the DK1 days and the early, early days. That was probably the worst I've ever gotten sick. Like you ever gotten so motion sickness that you want to puke and poop at the same time? <laughs> like that's how I felt. Like it was that intense. I didn't want to leave because I was in the middle of a battle, but I was like, no, this is too much. It took. It actually. Oh, I yeah. I I want to get back in there, but I. <laughs> but I but I, I feel like my uh, my brain is gonna have some like flashbacks. <laughs> Um, uh, so how were you able to do that? How is it possible that you're staying, like how many hours, like did you stay, like did you, did you like play for half an hour and then quit or did, or did you play like without non-stop?
0: Well at first, when I tried the headset for first, I actually felt uh, some little motion sickness myself, like yeah. I started moving around yeah. and then I played uh, the Half-Life for, for a little while and I, sort of, like, I didn't think, feel that sick. But I felt that when I took the headset off, I felt a little bit weird. Oh. But, then, but then I also started like playing with IPD and uh, projection and things like that. And uh, and, and eventually, eventually, I I feel that uh, that I very quickly, like within within the few, first uh, few dozen minutes, I built up sort of immunity and uh, get, got rid of the motion sickness. <laughs> like I, against the, even now, I, uh, I've. If you do something wrong, like if you move the uh, move the camera in a very weird, weird way, that's like uh, not one-to-one mapping. I, f- I feel that it's wrong, but I don't don't get sick from it, and uh, the general, I feel that happens for me uh, for a lot of things. Like I don't get sick from from being on a car or a plane and things like that. It just yeah. doesn't it doesn't uh, doesn't affect me. So I think I have like this natural inborn. Immunity to those things.
1: Would you be willing to uh, submit your brain uh, so that we can study your vestibular system <laughs> and see what's going on inside your head to, for, for humanity for science? <laughs> if it's not non-invasive. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so, so so okay. So you got sidelined, and then and then you, it just took off. I mean, you, immediately you knew that this was going to be a platform. It was going to be a gimmick. I mean, what made you think that this was going to be, or did it not matter whether it was going to be successful or not? You yeah. know.
0: Well, it was for me just uh, fun, like playing. Okay. And, uh, but it was very difficult from start because I had to do, I actually had to do a very boring software development job. Like uh, I, mm. did, I did some some uh, software for clients so to get uh, get some money. And uh, the VR, it, uh, like you can't earn money with VR much even now. Yeah. Until let alone like uh, when, when, when the DK1 came out. Uh, so I so I spent a lot of a lot of time working on the, on the software for others which was very frustrating mm-hmm. but uh, uh, but I kept making VR stuff because it was just fun and it was way it was like the ultimate way to to create the world that I imagined and allow others to experience them from within the world itself not, not just experience some some like written version in the story or uh, experience uh, like a projection on a screen, but actually, experience the world itself, the I imagined in my head, and. Um, and so, if, and so, let me ask you really
1: quick, like, how is it that you've been able to prototype and put out so many demos? I mean, are you, are you, you, got Sightline, you got Neil's Universe, you got the VR Jam entries. Um, what, what other like demos are out there that people can try? Um, Sightline, Neil's Universe.
0: No, Sightline, Neil's Universe. Like, I those are the major ones. They're major ones, uh, I, okay. Uh, there's a lot of like little demos. I made uh, even for, for, for the VR gem I made like a, a little game called Floor Guy, but it wasn't very polished. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a, I made a, a few small games like with DK One Days. There was uh, like uh, this 360 Space Invader remake. Nice. When uh, there was like a Fiskage, but. Uh, uh,
1: uh, and now you're working on this world builder. Yes. That's part of Neil's universe, or is it a separate project?
0: Uh, it's sort of like continuation, or, or rather the Neos Universe is sort of like one thing that uh, I wanted to show people that would be possible in the big Neos. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm not working on, on something called Neos The Origin.
1: And what is Neos The Universe, and what is Neos, what, what is just for so those who are listening, don't know.
0: So, Neos is essentially sort of like a metaverse or part of metaverse when when you consider the other, other applications you mm-hmm. can between them and it's focused on, on on creating sort of a living metaverse that's dynamic that has its own behaviors mm-hmm. uh, it has uh, it uses a lot of uh, advanced technologies like mm-hmm. there's uh, there's evolutionary algorithms procedural generation did you say evolutionary algorithms yes yes what the <laughs> hell is an evolutionary algorithm holy it's, shit it's sort of like a, like if a, uh, uh, it, it can be a point to a lot of things, but it's something essentially like that. You can use the emotional principles mm-hmm. for some structures to develop, uh, develop uh, uh, based on their fitness. Kind of like the game, the game sport.
1: You know, when they were was that. or no,
0: mm, i compare it to sport. Like uh, it's sort of like sport is sort of a game. Yeah. But, uh, there's one nice example of evolution algorithms, which also combines them with neural networks, uh-huh. and uh, essentially they can do all, 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 all kinds of uh, neat stuff. Like uh, lately you can hear, like, uh, have you heard about the deep, deep dream? Yeah, yeah. Like yep. Google. Yep. It's something that utilizes the evolution algorithms and neural networks. What you do is essentially that you have, like, in case of the neural network, you have like a lot of different variants of the neural network, Mm -hmm. and you rate each each of them based on how how good they. Uh, do for some criteria that you specify. Like yeah. for example, if they have to detect the face, you the, the better they detect the face, uh, the more points they get. Yeah. And then sort of like you mate them with each other, like uh, combine into into like uh, you can create n- new population. You you can also introduce random mutations. Don't worry, like change change uh, something here and there, and you get a new population. And uh, again, you, rate e- you test and rate each of the networks in the new population, uh, How good th- they do, and uh, the ones that do the best, you, might, uh, you they made the most. And uh, the ones that do bound, they, they can be even completely killed off. And what this does, does is essentially, uh, when you repeat this process long enough, you get uh, uh, like Several hundreds or thousands of iterations, you get a set of neural networks that are very good at what what, uh, what the detecting faces. Even if you start with completely random ones that are completely bad. Mm. Like uh, w- one common example is, for example, a simple robot which has uh, proximity sensors and uh, uh, and some uh, like engine to, to run and. Uh, You you create a a criteria which uh, gives the robot points based on how well it finds a way out of maze, and uh, now you start like with the population, let's say I don't know 1,000 robots, and they are completely random, like uh, and they do completely random stuff. And so, so, so some of the robots like might, might uh, run around like crazy, some might just spin in place, some might, some might do nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, but uh, so, some of these behaviors uh, will actually be a little bit closer to so getting out of the out of the maze than others. And this will be this will receive more more points. So these uh, behaviors will be then promoted in the next, next generation. So you combine the, the best behaviors, you add some random modifications, like mutations, and you repeat it again. And yeah. if you repeat, repeat it uh, enough, you actually get, uh, you sort of re- refine the behavior until you get robots that, that figure out a great way to get out of the maze, which is usually following one side. Wow. So uh, it's sort of a way to, Creates algorithms or create something that that creates something that, uh, that, uh, creates something that uh, has some behavior without actually having to program the behavior itself. But that's, that's one of the applications. There's another project. It's called uh, Darwin Tunes, and what it does is it essentially use uh, evolution algorithms to create music completely by computer. So mm-hmm. you have music composed by by a computer, and essentially the music you have sort of like like uh, I would say a recipe for 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 the music yeah and uh, the computer generates the music based on the recipe and what happens is that then people less listen to this and they rate how to, how they like the music and the recipes that they like the most that they are then combined into into new recipes into new population of recipes and the the ones that they don't like uh, at all like uh, they get cut off or they don't make also often. yeah and uh, and if you, and the process has been repeated uh, like uh, I think several thousand times already yeah. with people rating the music. And uh, w- and if you listen to the music that, that uh, like uh, from the seven se- seven uh, seven thousand generation, actually it sounds good. If you listen to the music uh, music uh, from the very first generation or first hundred generations, uh, it sounds awful. Like it's uh, like random beeps and ra- random tones. It doesn't sounds so good. So let me ask you this: What, what do you, I mean? What do you
1: What do you think? 7 millionth generation music. Would sound like I mean is that, I mean would that be like uh, is is that the closest thing to a universal sort of like musical language that an AI might be able to tr- tr- communicate with?
0: Mm, I'm not sure about it. Like uh, there are some limitations based yeah. on the on how, but essentially based how this uh, like I, I said recipe, mm-hmm. uh, it's sort of like like this operator tree. Uh, so. The, the authors of the algorithm, they have to specify the recipe, and they have to specify the extents of the recipe. And all the music that is produced is uh, ultimately li- limited by the abilities of the recipe. So the recipe can, for example, specify only only specific kinds of music and kinds of tones.
1: So you don't think it'll ever be possible for an AI to dethrone Taylor Swift as the queen of pop? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, well, uh, not, not for this like simple kind of AI, but uh, if you get complex enough AI, I I don't see like theoretical reason why it wouldn't happen, mm-hmm. like uh, because complex AI it, it already gets. Uh, question is if, if the complex AI would uh, even get uh, uh, get uh, sort of like uh, closer to like human brain, like uh, mm-hmm. consciousness and things like that. But uh, I don't know, difficult answer. Like we, we could maybe have some algorithms that are. So, so they are focused only on not making music. So they don't have anything else. They don't have ability to reason. They don't have even like they don't have uh, ability to to. Uh I will say it, like like uh, the music, like uh, right. or ability to like the music. They just produce music, but they are so generic. And you uh, have other people rating the music that we can compose wide variety of songs and wide variety of music. And uh, that AI would be able, theoretically, would be able to compose greatest works like uh, like very very complex music that that just sounds great. But it would be just focused on making making the music. It won't have anything else. Nice. Or you could have like a very complex AI which has a lot of different parts, which is more closer to the human brain, which even even uh, as not gonna difficult answer because we don't know exactly what forms consciousness yeah. yet. But uh, if we got uh, we a very complex network it, it might uh, it might, for example have uh, parts that are that are uh, that uh, essentially function like uh uh, like a logical reasoning and parts that uh, sort of uh, function like emotion yeah. and uh, such AI and uh, it, would, it would be like uh, all interconnected and it would have parts that uh, it's able to compose music hmm. and such AI might behave then like uh, more like a human would. So it wouldn't be just a single purpose, but uh, it would be able to compose music. It wouldn't be able to write the music itself like based uh, based because it would have structures that, mm-hmm. uh, that have uh, sort of sort of, uh, connections which which you react to the music is hearing and it do have it have the sense of uh, of um, i don't know the word for it, like uh, the the uh, like uh, like, a, like a sense of aesthetics but for for music oh, i see i see like uh, taste
1: like a taste yes, of yes, music yeah, exactly yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. interesting so listen they, we're we're running a little bit late i mean do you have 10 more minutes so i can ask you about your theory of consciousness uh Sure. Okay, right. so let's finish <laughs> us in, in ten more minutes unless you unless you have more time because I, I, I actually feel like uh, uh, I yeah. don't. you
0: have no. to you have to go no no no, no. Oh. I, I mean I have time like
1: oh yeah you do uh, dude I can go okay we can go long okay I'm yeah, yeah this I is look 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 exactly ahead. what I wanted yes yeah. yes <laughs> let's do this uh, into the metaverse um so what is so what do you think is what is the most compelling theory of conscious theory of consciousness that you're aware of then like what do you um, of all the things that are
0: out there, in a, you know,
1: which one do you think is the most?
0: Well, it's hundred There's another thing that's a very difficult to answer because mm-hmm. uh, we don't have hard data. So it's like I'm very empirically driven. So yeah, I, I base a lot of the lot of the uh, ideas and opinions based on the data we have, and this is this is something we don't have uh, we don't have a lot of data for. Yeah, but what seems most most compelling to me is the idea that the consciousness is sort of uh, like emergent property from from the, from the structure from the complex uh, structure of the brain. So, so sort of like a, I don't want to say like side effect of because there, there are theories that uh, the consciousness is sort of like an added component that drives the brain, mm-hmm. but we cannot find anything like uh, anything that would uh, that would uh, that would uh, sort of uh, like change the way brain works from some external. Something, hmm. and uh, but there are some people who, who think like that, like they have ideas of some, they, they call it soul, or things like that. And, mm-hmm. but I, I don't find this very probable, especially because there's virtually no no evidence for that, and uh, from all we found in in neuroscience is that the brain is essentially self-sufficient, and that all changes to the brain produce changes in behavior and uh, in other parts. Like there are even parts of our brain that are sort of not part of our consciousness, but they only make information available to our consciousness. But uh, what what I like the most is that uh, sort of uh, also, there's another like a problem that uh, people ask: like, do animals have consciousness? Do they have like this? Uh, this? Uh, do they have? Uh, do they have natural? Or do they have like? Um, there's one word for it, uh, like qualia. Like the, yeah. the, the, like when we look at something, it looks somehow it looks red. Yeah. And uh, we have this. Uh, we have this. Uh, there's actually not, nothing red in the room. Let's <laughs> uh, the door, like uh, yeah, or, or yellow. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so you look at something and it's yellow, and we have some subjective experience of yellow. But it's very difficult to talk o- talk about it because that our language is just relating some something that we perceive, like some stimuli, mm-hmm. with some some like a sequence of sounds, like words, like yellow. Mm-hmm. So when I say yellow, it's because I experienced uh, experienced. Uh, like my eyes sense the sense the color yellow, and I have association that uh, that link, links this experience, this set of neural impulses with the word yellow. And you yourself, like when when you grew up, you you saw things that are yellow, yeah. and uh, and your parents and uh, people around you pointed at it and said that's yellow yeah. or referred to it as yellow, and the brain formed the same association. Yeah. And uh, so so we both have like association of some words with some subjective experience mm-hmm. and uh, this, this is why we can transfer the concept so when I say yellow you uh, your brain is able to link up like uh, f- find the relation of the world to the subjective experience and you know you know what yellow is yeah but uh, nowhere in that you need you need the subjective experience of yellow you have just uh, just structures that link links sort of link the data. And uh, this applies, virtually uh, to, to, to a lot of lot of uh, lot of our behavior, mm-hmm. and to some levels of complexity. <laughs> but uh, from what I've learned, is that uh, it sort of feels like uh, the more complex the brain is, it has like sort of layers above these these basic processes, which yeah. allow it to uh, to, uh, to create more complex associations and more complex re- re- relations between those. And you uh, feel that. The consciousness would sort of stem from this, like, uh, like we have the basic, uh, basic, uh, uh, basic uh, operations of our visual cortex, like it it detects motion for us, it detects uh, things, uh, it detects the color, it detects, it, detects, it detects the shapes, it helps to identify the objects, and this information is then made available to the higher layers, which can then produce complex behavior. Like we can do something based on the object, we know what the object is, and we like we see a computer, and we can start interacting with the object, uh, which is which is handled by the Sort of higher, higher level of the, of the, of the brain. Mm -hmm. And some, some like, uh, uh, some... Uh, and we can also create like uh, reasoning about, about these things. And uh, s- some animals are like uh, much, much, uh, much uh, have much simpler brains. Yeah. They are still still able to in- identify the objects, but they are not able to produce complex behaviors. Like they can produce uh, behaviors that are, for example, formed by the operant conditioning or classical conditioning. But those are very simple behaviors. And uh, what? what the human brain is capable of is sort of imitating series of actions and uh, putting them together into a complex walls and essentially essentially uh, even creating like new behaviors from from the basic like small, smaller parts of the behavior and this thanks to thanks to the higher higher layers of the brain which are uh, in the in the frontal cortex yeah. and and uh, I feel that. But the question also is if uh, and one of the things that also this complex brain allows us to do is uh, to have a concept of uh, self, that we have self awareness, and some people say that like self awareness is necess- necessary for consciousness, but I don't find that very probable because uh, a lot of things in the in the universe are yeah. sort of gradients. Like uh, you don't have uh, you don't have essentially essentially when you have any complex system, a lot of the things become become. They don't they don't become 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 like two discrete states, but they behave they become uh, gradient. So well, hold on, let me let me ask you. So do you, I, mean, I mean, are you
1: saying that like if first we have sentience? You know, like just basic or you know low level life forms like your crabs and your lizards maybe? Or not well, lizards maybe. No crabs and like insects they have sentience i don't know if they have consciousness but they're definitely sentient yes sure. um then you have Gross. like uh, reptilian brain sort of low level like birds and reptiles and and then you have something higher level like self-awareness like i wonder so 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 then it so it goes from sentience to consciousness like low level consciousness to self-awareness is that the next level of uh, complexity that an organism can have, like dolphins and bonanos and, and humans, um, yeah. or is there more to this spectrum of, of intelligence?
0: Uh, yeah, but that's, that's the intelligence. Like, uh, and uh, what was getting out is that uh, some people say that you need the brain part, like you need the the self-awareness to be to have consciousness, to have subjective experiences. Hmm. I don't think that that's the case because, it, uh, like I said, all the things are not uh, not like discrete states. Uh, states like uh, like the moment you get you get uh, you have complex brain but it's not complex enough to have uh, self awareness but now now we have uh, you now but now it be, uh, now it becomes self aware and like uh, it it doesn't seem that like uh, like you snap your fingers and suddenly you have uh, consciousness hmm. and even even if you have brain that's capable of self self awareness it's not like you are thinking all the time that I exist there's some I like a lot of the times you, you don't think about it and in those times do you like stop stop uh, stop having the subjective experiences so it it to me it seems like uh, it's more more uh, that the consciousness itself is sort of like a gradient and the more complex structure we have the more complex the subjective experiences will be. So mm-hmm. if you have, for example some animal like a cat or dog yeah. they have, uh, they have some experience of, uh, of uh, visual information but they don't have the experience of being able to think about themselves because they don't have the structures necessary for the self awareness right. they don't have the, they don't have the sensation of self-awareness. But they have sensation, like lower sensations, based on how complex the brain is, and this would also implicate uh, that uh, that if you had, uh, for example, simulation of, of a brain, perfect simulation of all parts, uh, or at least functional simulation, it would also be self-aware because uh, because it's sort of like this, like a, what's the word like. A, that uh, uh, for like um, that you cannot avoid it. You think so? You think we can? Si- I, don't, I don't. Hopefully, I'm not getting this wrong. Do You think we can simulate self-awareness? Uh, it's not uh, well because we sim- simulate something that uh, has uh, it depends on, on what exactly you consider self-awareness okay. because it's like l- 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 so. you can have like you can write a uh, simple s- like. Uh, Program in C that prints I know that I'm myself, like, or or, or that prints something that uh, that says that it has self-awareness, but yeah. it actually does it have any self-awareness? It it just prints that it has self-awareness, yeah. And we can complicate it, like we can we can make it at some point say that it has self-awareness, but it's it's it doesn't. I don't think that this is uh, self-awareness. The self-awareness is sort of like a product of, uh, of the of the network that is complex enough network that can form uh, schemas, uh, concepts like about the world, and that can form schema about itself. So that, that that's this is the point where you get the full awareness. And if you simulated that, you would inevitably get uh, get self-awareness, and you would also inevitably get uh, get consciousness because it's just uh, just the emergent product of, of, of the like uh, the subjective experience of, of the of the network. But it's all like speculation of what I find most yeah. probable. Like it, I don't I don't I don't I don't want to say that uh, any of this is actually the case, that it, it, it actually happens like this, but yeah. this is what I find most, uh, most, um was the
1: world, like lost. it seems reasonable I mean it seems very reasonable sensible for you to stick to what we know and all the empirical evidence that's out there which no. there's not much no, that's, and that's so you have to form you have to form an idea with something that's so nebulous you know, yes. it's not I mean, I'm sure I'm sure you have part of the truth but the truth is the majority of truth is still out there for it to be discovered no. right? do you think that VR could be used as a tool to explore consciousness deeper than what we already have yes, uh, it, it, it,
0: house like uh, I watched all of the commentaries uh, that actually like uh, in I think it was 2005 or, or something around that mm-hmm. there was actually this uh, this uh, it was I think mathematician. And uh, it was a BBC documentary, which was uh, focused on consciousness. And uh, he actually he actually visited a lot of different places, like he vis- visited uh, people who, who study the brain and uh, people who study uh, like meditation and things like that. Yeah. And he also visited s- some people who study consciousness and actually used some virtual heral- reality headset, hmm. like a very very old one, super expensive one, yeah. like a very bulky one. Yeah. But what they did is they, uh, they put two cameras behind the guy and they streamed the image from the cameras uh, into the headset. Nice. So he, he, actually, he, he actually, when he put the headset on, he felt like he was sitting behind himself. Wow. And what they did, then did is they took a pen, uh, or actually two pens, and they actually like sort of poked beneath the cameras with the pen, but they also poked his chest with the pen. And wow. they repeated uh, repeated uh, several times, and uh, he actually felt that, uh, that the pen that was poking beneath the cameras was poking him, even though it wasn't the same pen that was poking him. Wow. And what they did after that is they took a hammer, or uh, and uh, and they, they swing the hammer beneath the cameras, and he actually went instinctively like <gasps> the, the, he felt that he was uh, hit by the hammer, wow. and. Uh, and uh, it was a very interesting experience for him that, uh, that the brain was convinced enough from the visual information that uh, he that it, the brain was actually sitting behind himself. That yep. He was not because often we feel that we are located like behind our eyes or yeah. around there, but. Uh, but it shows that uh, it the brain exist. is really stupid. That's what it shows. It
1: shows that like it, it, it's humbling to hear stories like that because that that's sort of the stuff that makes me think that shit. We we think we're the most intelligent thing that we know of in the <laughs> universe, and yet we're so easily tricked yeah. by optical illusions, yes. um, and
0: a lot of cognitive biases, yeah.
1: <laughs> logical fallacies. <laughs> it's crazy. Could, could could something that's not organic have consciousness? Do you think?
0: I think so. Like yeah, if it, it, it it's with uh, with uh, what uh, with uh, the idea of consciousness that I have, but uh, mm-hmm. like I said, it's just pure speculation, or or mostly speculation based on what we know already. Like uh, like I said, if, even if you simulate it on, on your CPU, the brain, mm-hmm. I, I think it would probably like have some, same subjective experiences. Uh, like uh, so.
1: And then and then you think it'd be able to tell between good and bad, and you know. Well,
0: that's sort of a, sort of a function like uh, of uh, like if, if the brain was uh, uh, simulated as a human brain and it would have the same capacities of the human brain, it, uh-huh. would, have, it would be able to have it would ha- be able to have concept of what's good and what's bad, and uh, uh-huh. and then you could do simulating as I mentioned before with the program that you could have program which which sort of has a library. Of of things that are good, of what we consider good and bad, yeah. And then it, it would give it uh, give it some scenario, and it would uh, search the library and uh, pick what's good and what's bad. But it would actually have any complex network, which would uh, sort of separate the scenario into into these little schemas, and based on that, it would evaluate them. Okay. And uh, because it, even a lot of things that we consider good and bad are sort of like related to to how we function. Yeah, our culture like, too. Yes. And uh, because th- 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 there are some things that are sort of universal, like uh, people are, um, well, uh, most people feel pain, and uh, the p- pain, uh, and most of them feel that the pain is very uncomfortable experience, and we can sort of build from that. Like we can, we can, we can say that uh, causing pain to, uh, to someone, someone else, is a bad thing in most cases. Like analysis prefer preferable to something worse, like if, if if they are dying and you have to cause them some pain to save them, it would be prefer- preferable to cause them pain than to let them die because the the death is less preferable than than the pain, and we can sort of relate it to what our own feelings. And because we share share this large set of feelings, we can we can sort of uh, create this set of uh, things that we consider good and bad. Mm-hmm. But for some things, it's it's all the more fuzzy. Like uh, some people may consider it like. Uh, I do Let's say drinking alcohol or something like that. Like so, so, for some people, it's it's a it's a normal thing. Like they don't feel they don't uh, they don't feel that it uh, ruins r- their life. And uh, they are they, for example, even drink uh, drink. How's it called? Uh, like uh, intelligently, Like uh, they don't drink too much. Like they are not. Oh yeah, like like uh, moderately. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And uh, so, so, for them, like uh, they feel okay about uh, using alcohol, but some people have, uh, for example, uh, experienced some people like alcoholics and being abusive, and those people might form form much stronger, uh, stronger opinion like, against the use of alcohol. So, so that's, uh, so, and that's sort of one of one of many reasons why it can get a lot of fuzzier and why people might not agree about something, about some, like, moral issues.
1: It does get fuzzy. Yeah. It really so, does. Especially when alcohol can be so fun, right? <laughs> like you, I mean, some of my favorite stories partying have been in Taiwan on way too much uh, Jack Daniels. <laughs> um, but but it makes you feel like shit at the end of the day. Like, you wake up with a hangover and you have a headache and your stomach <laughs> hurts and you're, like, uh, and you're dehydrated. Um... Yeah, there's mm-hmm. got to be a better way. One, if there was only a, a drug that didn't give you headaches and hangovers. and made you happy. and made you want to think about things. Huh. anyway. <laughs> um, hold on. Let me really quick. Let me ask you about the Michael Abrash talk because mm-hmm. I, I know you watched it, and I want to know what you think about what it, what how Oculus is, and 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 the Oculus uh, research team is 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 putting. You know, the sort of narrative that, like, this is what we know, mm-hmm. and we basically know nothing. <laughs> How do you feel?
0: What did you think of the talk? I, I love the talk, actually. Yeah. It was one of my most favorite parts, like, mm-hmm. after the Minecraft announcement <laughs> and John Carmack's talk. Yes. Actually, I would say I, I like this one more than John Carmack's talk, right. because uh, uh, although it's, diff- like, again, diff- difficult to compare because they are talking about different things, and I yeah. love both. But uh, I like that, that, that uh, like uh, even like, the how his presentation was structured. I liked how he even said that uh, we are right now we are building the future, which is also so something that relates to what, what changed my life. But uh, back at the Inteliser, uh, with uh, David Brian jo- Johnson saying very similar thing, mm-hmm. like uh, when Michael Burridge talked about that these are the good old days, mm-hmm. it's sort of funny to realize, but. Uh, I love that he talked about uh, the different perceptual systems, but uh, I was a little bit disappointed that, uh, like, it's not, not Bernard's fault, but uh, that uh, the, the senses that interest me the most, like, uh, because they are so unexplored, like the taste, the smell. And uh, the you know, what's was, what was it called? Uh, uh tactile, yes, tactile. like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. these are the least explored ones, and uh, so also they had uh, the least amount of information. Yeah, like he, he, he talked about how, how it's uh, difficult to stimulate the smell, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, how essentially we we, we, don't, we don't know a good way to do it. And I uh, like that he mentioned some ways, like some uh, some some approaches uh, to how how it could be done, uh, but. Uh, like like I said, like said there's not uh, not enough information. Yeah. And uh, but, but, but the, the other parts about uh, like the visual and the audio, there are all lot more interesting. And uh, there's also something that I'm interesting interested in, because uh, uh, for example, with the audio, I was working with uh, with re and uh, and uh, they, they sort of do like uh, the simulation of the audio bouncing around the environment and it adds a lot to the realism. But and. But it sort of makes me wonder, like, if, if, uh, if, uh, because he all about uh, driving the perceptual system, and right. uh, we are sort of drive it through the natural senses. Like we, we beam lights into our eyes. We yeah. we try to put molecules into our nose. Mm-hmm. We, we try to we try to stimulate the, the touch uh, the tactile receptors in, in our skin, mm-hmm. and we try to vibrate our in the ear eardrums to create the sound, mm-hmm. and uh, I sort of wonder if uh, f- because some of the senses are so difficult, if uh, we could uh, we could uh, we could sim- uh, drive them faster by skipping the sensory organ, mm-hmm. and driving the the nerves themselves, like creating producing artificial signals, and uh, it's f- because that's it's something that's still very far away. Like yeah, we have. Actually, I read a few days ago some someone uh, they, they made this hand like a robotic hand for, yeah. s- for someone who has their arm, yeah. which already has tactile sensations. Yeah. But it's very very, very difficult. To, but it's very difficult to find out how exactly it should be wired, and I think it even differs from person to person. But uh, so it's, it's very far away to find out how we how we should drive those senses. Yeah. But, uh, but now the question is if, if uh, even if, if it's so far if it's so difficult to drive the neurons uh, uh, neurons like uh, the nerves themselves mm-hmm. skipping the sensory organ will be simpler than actually stimulating some of the some of the sensory organs like uh, stimulating the nose stimulating the tongue.
1: It seemed like it would be such a hassle to create some sort of a a a little tank that you have to carry around <laughs> inside the headset or in your back. And then it's like the synthesizer synthesizer of smells. Yes. And and you know it's just like well, you could just do exactly what you just said and go straight to the nerves. But that sounds
2: simple.
1: Yeah, it sounds simple. I mean, it sounds straightforward. But but it's sort of like that's sort of the efficiency sort of uh, model that's driving this technology. Like if you think about just computing going from the these keyboard and mouse screen to the touch you know screen to now the headset to I mean, the next is going to be the neural connection.
0: Yes, we, we could sort of like this matrix virtual reality or simulated reality, yeah. and uh, like or uh, you know you know the hypothetical scenario brain in robot. Like you have just the brain, which is wired to some some machines, which uh, which uh, sort of uh, sort of uh, simulated. And, and then all, usually, all, 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 what a lot, a lot of people say when they heard, hear this is. What what if what if we are right now in the world?
1: Which is exactly what I was about to ask you. Yes. <laughs> uh, what if? And, and and sort of sort of one of the reasons why I'm interested so much in the VR is because it's it eventually we might come close to answering that question just by how good it'll get. Like <laughs> one day it'll get so good, so good that we'll be like, shit. <laughs> I, I mean, if we can create it, how do we know that something else hasn't already created, that we're not living in something else that's more advanced yeah. than that the simulation?
0: Yeah, from, from principle, I think that we just can't like uh, tell the difference. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but but one interesting thing is that we might eventually, uh, like again, this is speculation, but but uh, we are not guaranteed that the universe will live in, that it has the properties which would allow us all to completely simulate the reality that is ex- exact replica. Like, uh, say, and you have uh, if you have a uh, finite number of uh, of states of, of elementary particles, which is uh, one of the consequences of the of the quantum mechanics, mm-hmm. you essentially uh, let's say that you have a particle which has n, n states, and now if you wanted to, and, and and right now we are using tons of particles to to uh, like. At least uh, thousands of them. Uh, I don't know uh, from, from 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 the top of my head. But we are using tons of particles to construct a single transistor, which has just a binary state. Mm-hmm. And uh, each of these particles that we are using has uh, has thousands of different states. And we are just uh, using throwing all it away to just represent two different states. Mm-hmm. But if we eventually got to the to the ultimate efficiency, that we we would be able to uh, have each particle represent uh, represent. Uh, Use all of its states to represent something. Mm-hmm. It would actually be just the particle representing itself, no. or or maybe we could somehow maybe encode it. But what happens is that the, the number of states is uh, is uh, finite. No. And let's say that you want to simulate reality that's more complex, uh, complex than this, and it has actually more states. It has like uh, like it has uh, states like 1,000 uh, n states, and. Uh, And now, if you have a particle that has just n states, you cannot cram all the states of the simulated reality into Mm -hmm. the states of the particle that has to do all the simulations, all the interactions, and producing the data that will drive our senses. It's just that we we might hit a limitation of the laws of physics, and we actually might not be able to create a reality that is as complex as ours. We we get sort of like... like limitation, but what, what you can do is, is like sort of fake it. Like uh, we, 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 so, actually, let, let me back there a little bit. Like when I mentioned before that uh, that uh, we might be in such uh, such a simulation, it's a possible possibility. The universe that this simulation runs on is all uh, all lot the more states. Like it's all of the more complex universe, and yeah. uh, and the result of that uh, is that they can simulate universe uh, that uh, to us is very complex, but to them is uh, is very simple because of the way their universe works. Mm-hmm. What might happen is that uh, we create uh, even another universe, like a nested universe uh, in, in VR or something. That is not but as complex it, as ours, but also it's more simple complex. to
1: the organism. But, it, yes. but, but to the organisms that are in it, they won't have a difference. Cause, yes.
0: ah. But eventually, but eventually if, you, if you nest it enough, you actually run out of uh, all, all of those states, and they won't be able to create uh, any like that. Or the universe itself wouldn't be able to to house any living organisms that right. will be able to create VR for themselves to live in, so you eventually get to the end because of the of the limitations of the of the universes, and uh, that's insane. That I like, I like it's that also, idea. And there's also that that any of the universe that they're nested, nested, they they cannot create universes com- more complex than the universe above it because uh, the universe above it. Wouldn't be able to uh, express those those states. Yeah. But uh, what, could, what could possibly happen is uh, sort of uh, one of the ways to get around it a little bit is to increase efficiency. So you, can, you for example, find clever ways to encode a lot of a lot of the simulations. So you can create complex behaviors and you sort of like compress them, like uh, in 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 real time. Like for example. When I mean, it happens a lot, like uh, now, when, when we're creating games, that we are representing unreal th- things that we need to represent. Like when we have physics simulation, we, for example, stop simulating objects that are not moving. Mm-hmm. And when when another another object touches the object, it starts being simulated again. And that way, you sort of redistribute the res- redistribute the resources based on what what uh, was happening. And that way, even if you have a limited amount of states and a limited amount of resources, you can express states that look that look more complex than they actually are in the background. Wow. So, but uh, that's the, the question. If, if uh, maybe we can we find out some of some way uh, in our universe to get around this limitation and get endless number of uh, of possible states, which would allow us to create very complex simulated realities that can be because you have infinite number of possible states, you can you don't essentially have any limitations. But uh, 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 how far away are we from like achieving
1: that technology though? How far away do you think we'll be able to start simulating something that is even close, even close to, maybe 50 years, 100 years?
0: Oh, um, that's that's not know, That's I don't, I have the perfect future for it. Yeah.
1: Well, I am sitting with a genius genius level over 9,000, so I figured I might as well throw every question that I have in my head at you, just just in case you might know the answer. I don't, I don't,
0: I don't, I, I don't, like, don't know. I can speculate, but uh, don't know how, how, how good it
1: is. Your speculations are 100, 100 times more valid than mine. Because <laughs> you, you, you spend time doing your, your reading <laughs> and your research. I just sort of regurgitate with shit that smart people I, say.
0: I, I would say that a lot of things. Like, even today, to some extent, we are already doing things that look sort of... Uh, that are a little bit closer to the, to the reality. And that might look in this... Thing, in this thing, sorry. Indistinguishable uh, to some people. Yeah. And uh, so if you gave it like 50 years, and uh, if you consider that the technology will grow with the with the similar rate or curve that it does now, you might get something that looks uh, photorealistic, but actually isn't. Like like I said, because on the background, all of the effects are faked. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to do something that is uh, this uh, outside of the bounds of the simulation, you wouldn't be able to, because the simulation isn't generic, it's is just uh, designed to mimic as, as, as closely as possible uh, the... Uh, the uh, some things that we you know from the real world. Yeah. But, but what you are doing is that uh, to, to get all the possibilities, like uh, in this virtual universe you would be able to do everything that you can do in the real universe. You have to essentially simulate the entire universe at least to some extent or have a very clever way of, uh, of uh, transitioning like, like the level of detail I'm not sure if I should say detail mm-hmm. like transition between levels of simulation for uh, for, for you know, like like I said like if you have this for example if a table in the in the universe and uh, now you now you took electron microscope to examine the table at, uh, at like a piece of table, of, uh, at at the, at the very small level, it would dynamically generate details that are consistent with the macroscopic uh, version of the table, and it would look uh, so, 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 so the, to the observer, it would look as if it, uh, it as if it's uh, uh, consi- like it's consistent and as if as if it's uh, uh, super detailed. In- in the in the smallest level of detail. Yeah. But question is if if, uh, if that's uh, how feasible that is, and how much computing resources uh, you need for that, and uh, and how if you can come up with some uh, system that's generic and that would be able to create something that's consistent, so the so the observer of, of this simulation would have been able to figure out always that uh, it's being faked in the in the background. Assuming that he already knew that uh, how the how the real world behaves, because if he if the only thing that he interacted with was the simulation, it would be the reality. reality. It's like us; <laughs> like us. we wouldn't and know so. any better. Yeah, uh. yeah. Uh, like, we might be in the simulation, and there might be like some like uh, in the in the laws of physics, there might be things that uh, would be obvious to the external observer that uh, there are flaws in the simulation. But we don't know because we don't have anything to compare but, it against.
1: Like, what is dark energy, and what is and what is dark <laughs> matter? Like, we. And I and I'm gonna ask you about that in a second. Um, but I have a theory of of that. I have a theory that justify uh, and that this theory again comes came out of my butt. So again, <laughs> take it for a grand. So I, I have this theory that deja vu is. Um, is you, it's, you know, that feeling that you, oh, it's like, oh, I've been here before. I've seen this before. It's a, you, you have. You yeah. have seen it before. It's because you already are in the Matrix and you're just replaying your life in a loop. Yes. <laughs> and so the simulation can't extract that memory yes. out, and that's why it's this glitch in the Matrix. We're like, yes. <laughs> I started, the more I've been in VR, the more I started replacing um, God with simulation. <laughs> oh, I guess the simulation didn't want this to happen today. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or like, oh, if this if the simulation allows it, I'm going to win the lottery. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or it might be just someone set up the simulation and they just don't care. That's not they it its course.
1: That's true. That's that's the other <laughs> or, way. Yeah, that's most likely to have that. But
0: but also funny thing is that if, if there's some simulation, then then you have to go. So like, uh, if if you got the upper level, and then even upper level like. You, you will probably reach some universe that's sort of like the root universe, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and then uh, this root universe uh, isn't simulated because it, it must be like actually uh, eventually have to reach some end. Yeah, and uh, this actually touches another topic that, that I like talk uh, like from from physics. And I'm actually reading now a book uh, called Hidden Realities, mm-hmm. and uh, it talks about all the stuff like it, it, it was like. I, I was interested in a lot about parallel universes, and uh, there's also under the great uh, book from Lawrence Krauss. He's a physicist. It's called "The uh, Universe from Nothing." Mm-hmm. It essentially explains uh, how it might be possible. Like we don't have evidence for that. we have only like a lead, but how it might be possible that universe can be created from not- nothing, and that the universe essentially is nothing, because uh, there's sort of like if you if you count everything, there's uh, it like uh, it adds up, uh, up uh, like if uh, uh, some like I'd a positive energy and negative energy, and it cancels out. And it's sort of like uh, I don't know the, the analogy that I sometimes use is that uh, if you have uh, zero, you can express the zero as plus one and minus one, and these two cancel out and they uh, come up to zero, so they are like nothing. Mm-hmm. But uh, for, for a brief moment, you have this plus one, and this minus one. And we might be like the plus one that that we exist for a brief moment, but we actually cancel out with everything else. Wow. So, so we are like nothing. But wow. to, to us, we can we can experience something subjectively because uh, because uh, because it talks about like how from from the inflation, in, inflation I don't to pronounce it the inflation theory how how can how can uh, universe sort of come out uh, from from very miniature quantum, Quantum fluctuations, how these uh, random fluctuations can get sort of blown off, blown off, blown into macroscopic scale. So they so they are no longer quantum and they sort of become frozen. And what becomes frozen are the particles that form stars and that form uh, form then explode and then then form us. How that know. how that that
1: is blowing my mind. <laughs> like how he, he, the universe is everything, and yet it's nothing because of that, that's zero that's state. Yeah, that's. I'm, I'm, my, you broke my head. My head hurts. That's uh, that's insane. Uh, and so you think you think that that's a very, the, the idea of a multiverse is more compelling than the idea that there was only one single universe.
0: Well, it's um, like from, from the perspective of mathematics, it's actually simpler because when you think about really? it, yes, because when you think about it, it you have uh, like our universe. It seems very finely tuned. Like uh, like if, if you change, for example, the the strength of the electromagnetic force, mm-hmm. the atoms wouldn't hold together. They would come apart, and uh, it wouldn't, you wouldn't. The matter wouldn't clump into 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 complex mm-hmm. volts, and this wouldn't allow to, for for us to form. So, question is, what, why is the value of the, uh, the strength of the uh, automatic force, or, or, for example, the mass of the particles. Why is it, why is it what it is, and why that allows us to create? And uh, if, if if you have just a single universe, you have to come up with very complex reason why, why this very single universe, the only universe that exists, why it allows uh, life to exist. And you mm-hmm. sort of have uh, you sort of have like this extension of uh, anthropic pr- principle that uh, there's not a single universe. There's sort of like. Uh, a uh, huge, huge quantity of uh, different universes, which with different, different uh, strengths of uh, all possible strengths of the of the electromagnetic force, or all possible masses of the particles, yeah. and uh, we just happen to be in the universe, which has the value such that it allows the uh, formation of life, and we naturally sure find ourselves in this universe because that's the only, or that's one, one of the subset of the universes that we can find find ourselves in, because if we have a universe, uh, which uh, which has the value different, it doesn't it doesn't allow formation of life and uh, then no life can find itself uh, in the in universe and ask how it can be in the universe. <laughs> and uh, so, so, so what we get is uh, uh, that uh, if, you, if you describe it as sort of this continuum of different universes, you no longer have to explain this complex question why, why is the universe such that the formation of life, because now we have like continuum of universes, and some of them just happen to to be able to form life, which then ask question how about the universe, and uh, that's actually like much 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 simpler if you have uh, if you have this continuum, and you can have different universes which have different different forms of life. Life, we can have even universes which have life which is uh, uh, almost every detail is uh, similar to life here, yeah. even or even completely identical. Like uh, there are some. Some 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 of the some of the ideas is that uh, there's like infinite continuum of universes, mm-hmm. which all have infinite. Uh, and, and once we have infinity of something, everything and you have a finite number of states, which mm-hmm. is something that I also mentioned before with the, with the particles. Then you have uh, then you have uh, you end up with repetition. and you have infinite. Repeats of everything. Like this, this. This, for example, this exact conversation can be can be happening like infinite times in in uh, in a subset of the infinite universes. Like it's it, it, it weird when, when we start working with infinities because uh, when you have infinity of something, then even if, if you take the infinity, uh, like if you take subset of the infinity, like like you have uh, like let's say you have all integer numbers. And now you and, and there's infinite number of integer numbers. And now you say you want you want only odd numbers. And you take odd numbers, and there's still infinite of them because uh, it doesn't end anywhere. So 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 the odd numbers is sort of like uh, the number of odd numbers is sort of like same as all the numbers. Or hmm. It's not the same. Like uh, the, 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 there's that part of mathematics uh, which uh, deals with comparing infinities, and uh, it's uh, called cardinality, but uh, that's what was I going
1: to? Yeah, no, we could. I, it seems like you can go into that really, really deep. Um, yeah. And and so, man, I, oh, holy shit! It's it's. It felt like a blur. And there's <laughs> so much I could ask you about. Okay, let's uh, it just the last five five ten minutes of conversation. Let me ask you about. Um, so, what are your future plans in the VR industry? What are you trying to do? Where do you see yourself two years from now, oh. for example?
0: I don't know. <laughs> I don't like the perfect future. Yeah, true, true, yeah. true, true. But, uh, but what, what of your like your plan? What, yes. What's your plan? Yeah. If if uh, well, uh, right now that uh, I want to focus more on the on the Neos, developing essentially Neos to so allow people. What I say is that uh, the core of idea of Neos is sort of removing the gap between imagination and implementation. So because right now. A lot of people have ideas. They have, they imagine walls, They imagine a lot of, lot of different things, but they don't know how to, how to make them into stories. They don't know how, how to make them into games because you have to learn all these tools. You have to learn 3 modeling tools. You have to learn programming and things like that. And the ultimate goal is sort of remove the gap. So when you imagine something, it, it is yeah. Of, and that's uh, a big problem. It's it's, like a, uh, <laughs> it's it's like it's like this super super. Far goal that we might not even reach, but it gives a direction for Neos. Yeah. And uh, so what we do with Neos is sort of like this high level, high level world creation is that uh, it allows people to uh, to more easily put uh, take the ideas from their head and uh, realize them without having to be comp- having to learn complex tools, complex uh, complex uh, what's it called like uh, processes behind uh, how how to form things, how to design things. So the system, system will sort of uh, handle a lot of things for them mm. unless they explicitly override it. So that's there's, there's one, one, one of the important aspects of, of, of Neos. Mm. And right now, I showed recently a demo which shows how we can create walls uh, like simple terrain shoots trees and uh, the mm. trees are procedurally generated. Which is badass, by the way. Procedural trees are badass. <laughs> they yes. really are. And that allows me to do a lot of other stuff that will... People will see later, yeah. and uh, there's, there's a lot of like, a lot of different things that we will sort of like. They 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 are probably not obvious now, but uh, it will, if, if, if things will go, will go well, they will come to fruition later. Yeah. And but like I said, they, later on they will be see, able to see how they can start sort of like inventing things in those worlds, how how they can start adding very, in, behaviors into those worlds in a very simple, approachable way. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to, they don't have to be programmers. They they, they just don't know uh, have common sense That's more right. or less. Like there's pro- probably going to be some some learning curve. I don't know how much it it will, it will be shown. When, when we start this thing with people and when they start playing with the software and uh, there will be some iterations based on that but uh, I think that what, what what is planned is is uh, is going to make it much easier to create virtual reality worlds and uh, give them some behavior and uh, and also one of the things with Neos is that uh, it sort of uh, has uh, has the purpose to educate people, so they can while they are building those walls, they can both learn new things. Mm-hmm. They sort of gradually learn them by interacting with the world. so it, it doesn't even feel like learning. And that also comes with what I mentioned before, because in, in those schools, the the kids they never in the like the cyber valley school and in the in the hunter and cutter societies, they never feel like they are learning, they are just interacting, they are mm-hmm. just doing stuff yeah. And uh, but in the process they are learning a lot and sort of simultaneously will happen in the NEOS itself but I will also be able to build uh, complex educational experiences, complex scientific experiences, so all of the stuff like light fields, or I did also MRI visualizations, so we, we got the data from, from MRI, from real patients. you could Whoa. slice the brain, look into the brain and... Uh, Whoa, and
1: uh, that's fucking crazy <laughs> And awesome. you could
0: you could sort of like uh, utilize these uh, these things to visualize your own data, yeah. Or visualize some other people's data. You can, for example, visualize vector fields, graphs, uh, 3D graphs, and uh, you could use it uh, or you can like start sketching geometry in 3D space, which is yeah. something that I showed in World of Comenius, which is another project that that. For, yes, uh, yes, uh, it's another project <laughs> yes, that is, you've been working on. Yes, <laughs> and uh, sort of uh, so. Uh, uh, so this is uh, so, so there is a lot of stuff that you will be able to, to do like uh, in, in any so that you'll be able to uh, you'll be able to uh, both create the words communicate ideas mm-hmm. that's, that's that's important and and uh, uh, communicate scientific ideas, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because, uh, for example, what, when I'm talking to someone and I want to transfer some content, some idea from my head, yeah. I have to use the wall I have to use words. But sometimes it's very difficult. Like you can, you can start sketching some something on a table or a whiteboard, yeah. And uh, but even then you are still sort of limited by yeah. by what you can sketch. And if, if we give people a lot of tools, so they can communicate more efficiently, like, okay oh, start sketching some diagram here in three D space, like. Uh, and you could see see me sketch it in the, in real time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be able to it would make it much easier to transfer the ideas. Yeah, it, there's
1: a gap in translation between what's inside your mind and what comes out of your mouth yes, yes. and what that person perceives. <laughs> and, but but you know with VR and with with what you're building, it seems like you would you know you would just skip that like that hassle of having to. You know, having to, yeah, having to like listen to my words and then you make your own abstractions. No, you're yes, gonna see what's inside my head. Sir, okay. Uh, sort let's get closer to that. Yes, point. yes, 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 yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, and so, so you're, right now you're working on this world builder. I mean, if, if you know, is, is Neil's universe gonna have animation sort of things, uh, music? I mean, what else are you, because it seems like such a complex thing to be able to create the things that are inside my mind and share them with you. I mean, I tried your world builder builder and demo and I got to say your UI is really intuitive. Uh, it is really good. Um but 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 again, like what do you how how are you going to continue expanding and what other areas are you looking into to continue expanding the OC universe?
0: Yes. Well, actually, Neo's the Universe it was sort of a standalone demo, and mm-hmm. uh, in the Neo's the Universe I showed under of the components that you can you can in VR use uh, k- show all the different scales, mm-hmm. and uh, that's uh, that's uh, uh, that's going to be part of the big Neo's of the of the of the of the universe. So you can you can create yourself experience like Neo's the Universe. Within VR. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, uh, so there's uh, a difference,
1: there's NEOS VR and there's NEOS the Universe the yes. Demo. Yeah. It's
0: sort of like we want to show different aspects of NEOS. Yes, so yes, we have yes. these all of different demos. Like uh, there's an on the NEOS the Origin, which will showcase the world building. And uh, I also plan to uh, create, I, I don't know how to call it, there'll be like, I'm also working on a simple avatar system, so you can you can have some uh, representation of yourself, like of the official representation, you'll be able to take on different avatars that are not the official ones, but... Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of different stuff, and uh, we planning to release both demos, so people, people can play around with them and see what, what, can, what, what they can do in NEOS, mm-hmm. and then they can, they can do, uh, go into NEOS and start uh, working with those things. And one uh, one of the, one of the uh, things that, uh, that I'm working on right now, that uh, that's, that's going to be shown soon, is the sort of like inventing stuff and uh, giving behavior to the worlds, and uh, that's, that's that's in the most immediate uh, immediate time. But there's a lot of work, like uh, there, there, there can be work for, for years and years in years.
1: When do you think people will be able to, have to get their hands on, and on, on, on 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 demos that are uh, that are close to you know the consumer launch of your product?
0: Uh, I plan to release a demo of News The Origin within uh, I think maybe a month or so okay, we'll but uh, that, that will be a standalone demo which will showcase the war building part but it won't be like part of the entire universe yet right. and the entire universe it should come maybe sometime next year when, when the CV1 comes out probably because th- there's a lot of like, uh, speculation if we should go on the Gear VR first or the CV1 first because give VR is going to have uh, much bigger adoption probably then, then the CVN is going a lot more accessible but it's also more limited like there's also performance we can do this we can't do the same level of work creation on GVR at least not, it would. It won't look as nice we can we yeah. have demos which work on the GVR which yeah. have in the procedural trees and uh, some terrain creation but uh, it it's it's limited platform. So. I mean,
1: the only way you can get around the limitation is if you're using like uh, like Octane or like an toy cloud renderer, and, maybe, and even yeah, those are not yeah, like
0: yeah. Options. But you, you needed to work in real time, so yeah. yeah so it, that's that's uh,
1: that's the Yeah, it's crazy. Um, what a whirlwind! What a blur! Like you just educated me <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Thanks, man. Um, shit. Uh, do you have? Oof! That was an education. Thank you. <laughs> like my, I think I'm gonna have to listen to this podcast like three or four times. Uh, and, and yeah, if only I had a visualization tool. Working <laughs> with yeah. Um So how can people stay in touch and follow what you're doing and, and,
0: and all that good stuff? Oh, uh, that reminds me, I have to finish my website. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you can know. have all this work that you've done. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not very like good at uh, like. Uh, like, publishing things, like, uh, I of, often, like, work and I don't even release some stuff, or I just release it randomly, like, push it to some channel, some link to a video to some channel and, uh, pu- publish some things already, then, then I go, go do something else again. So, but, uh, we should have, there's a website, neosvr.com, which, which will have some information. It's, it's not, uh, it might be a little bit confusing now, because it is a lot of, uh, there's a lot of different projects, like, like War of Communions, there was also Orbis example, mm-hmm. uh, for education, and then was the news the numbers, and the information on the website isn't super specific, so uh, but it should be updated over time with, with new information, there's also like the site on the website. I have a Twitter channel. What's the Twitter uh, channel? It's Bruxios, but I also post very, very like infrequently there. Okay. usually when when I when I have something new, or uh, so sometimes I put the things on my YouTube channel, and uh, I don't know the others actually from memory, uh, and. Uh, uh, I'm not very good at like uh, showing stuff. I actually have, we have other people in, in in my company that uh, that are much better at this. Okay,
1: cool. Well, all the relevant links um, will be added in the show notes. Um, do you have any any final thoughts? Any last sort of like any sort of lingering things in the back of your head that like you want to you know bring out or talk about before we bring things to so a close?
0: Well, maybe we have under hour. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you have to catch a fly, you we we're yeah. we're gonna stay but, here all day yeah. and night. Oh. But actually one thing that other I'd like to recommend, uh, Yeah. I recommended this to you earlier as well, is to read uh, in addition to the books I already mentioned, is to read a great book uh, it's called Diaspora yes. by Craig Egan. It actually deals with uh, with very futuristic version of uh, of uh, uh, very yeah very futuristic version of uh, simulated reality actually. But a lot of the concepts apply to virtual reality and some of them to to The things I want to do in EOS. And it's just, uh, it's just mind-blowing and very fascinating book. And, uh, For you to say that, I that mean, that's a lot. That means a lot. Like, yeah, It yeah, seems like you're a
1: guy it, that's hard to impress. Uh, it,
0: like if, if you read just the very first ch- chapter, which is called Orphanogenesis, it's, it's just going to blow your mind. Holy
1: shit, that word just blew my mind. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so check out Diaspora because it's going to blow your mind. And the reason why is because the author you mentioned is really grounded in science.
0: Yes, he's a mathematician and physicist and also programmer. Wow, I dig and that. He, he's very... I think he writes probably one of the hardest sci-fi I know, like uh, for, for one of, one of his t- trilogies, which is also great, uh, great read. But it has nothing to do with VR. It's called the Ortho- Orthogonal, and what he did is he took uh, the equations describing the laws of physics of our universe, he flipped one sign, and then worked out how such universe work like. And he wrote like 80 pages book on the laws of physics of, of this alternate universe, and it's very, very fascinating. Like for example, the plants they emit emit light to actually get energy on wow. uh, which is, which is itself and even the organisms they were very differently and also because the universe this is there's a little bit of spoiler but um, well, let, let it go
1: let, uh, let it out I'm, yeah. I'm ready for because it.
0: the universe actually has a uh, sort of a spherical topology and uh, it's it's sort of like a, it's uh, just a four-dimensional manifold which has sort of like four di- it has like a four dim- uh, spatial dimensions but one of the dimensions is or uh, directions is perceived as time. It allows you to travel in absolutely any direction. So you can actually go and, re- and you can reverse yourself uh, in, uh, in time. Because th- there's sort of like no concept of time. It's sort of like this also, also emergent property. In, in our universe, the time is very specific dimension, and you have specific properties which have some limitations, which makes it difficult to travel back in time. But in this book, the time is uh, just emergent property of of the, of the of of essentially the direction you are uh, like uh, the, the reactions are traveling in, and this list of some very interesting eff- effects, and there are some very interesting time uh, time par- sort of time paradox uh, time paradox uh, scenarios, and he resolves them very elegantly, wow. and uh, and all, of, all all of that is sort of like within this framework of the, of the laws of physics of the of the universe, which is very consistent and uh, it's sort of like very mathematical. Like he, he explores the mathematics a little bit of it, or or rather the, the characters in the book should explore the physics of the universe, and he sort of walks you through the process of the discovery as they try to save themselves from from a danger also caused by the by the nature of the of the universe, and. Uh, Wow, I couldn't find, I couldn't ask for a better book
1: review. <laughs> that's a, that, that was, uh, um, that's like, uh, that's, so that's something I'm definitely going to put on my reading list. Uh, and so should you if you're listening. Um, Fruxios, you have been a scholar, uh, and gentleman and pioneer at the vanguard of virtual reality. Thanks again for your time and I hope to have you on the show again. Thank
0: you. And bam. That was it. That was good, man. Thanks a lot the harmonica, uh-huh. like this weekly. So it's all folded, and it's actually gravitational influence of the of the regions that are so far away, but in the in the in the, like the upper topology, the topology, like shape of the universe. So the how. How, like if, if you take a sheet of paper, yeah. and you consider a sheet of paper to the universe, yeah. and uh, now you, you take the paper and fold it into harmonica, mm-hmm. now parts that are on the, on the paper, if you, if you just follow the surface of the paper, they are very far apart, mm-hmm. but they are now in the 3D space, they are squeezed together, mm-hmm. so they are actually nearby. And if you imagine this uh, it's uh, really yeah. impossible to imagine, but uh, if you take that concept to, to our space, which is 3D, so if you had uh, some... 4D construct, mm-hmm. which, is, which is the universe. And you fold it uh, in similar way. Then the regions which are for us in the 3D space are super far. Are in this place actually very close, mm-hmm. and they exert influence on, on the nearby nearby like slices or, or not, It's not slices; it's continuous. Oh. Uh, so it's actually the the, the, the gravitation, gravitational influence is from from the other parts. Oh, that, that's one of one of the ideas. Yeah, there's there's another. Of dark matter, right? Yeah, okay, matter. yeah, yeah. There's another that is sort of like another matter because. Obviously, is 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 the, the partner. It's interactions of a lot of different particles, and we and uh, reason we can see that is because those particles interact with, with each other. Like when, when when the photons from from the light, like off of bounce of the electrons uh, of the table, and they go to, into our eyes and they interact with the particles of the form our light sensitive cells, mm-hmm. which sends another particles, uh, which is another series of interactions that sends the signal into our brain. Uh, you, have, you have this complex series of interactions. And what happens is, uh, and that, that's thanks to the, the fact that the particles are interacting. But now if you consider something like uh, neutrinos, mm-hmm. neutrinos are interacting very little, so we there's like billions passing through, through us right now. Mm-hmm. But we, we, we can't see them because they are not interacting with us. Mm-hmm. And what can happen with dark matter is that uh, you have uh, we have uh, one explanation for dark matter that it's some sort of particles that are interacting very weakly with us. So we cannot see them, we cannot like touch them, because uh, there's no like uh, touching is for example electromagnetic interaction, and there's no electromagnetic inter- 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 interaction between the particles that form us and the dark matter. But there's gravitational uh, interaction. So they still interact in this way, so, so there might be even, there's actually even an uh, idea for, for, uh, for parallel universes that mi- there might be particles that we, that, we, that don't interact with us at all, but uh, that's, uh, like, like, right here there, there can be some alien, yeah, yeah. And some alien planet composed of particles that, uh, that don't interact with us, so f- for, from our perspective, they don't exist. But or, they can see us,
1: if they wanted to. Actually,
0: no, 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 they actually don't see us uh, either, because, uh, because we don't interact. It's sort of like, like we're... Oh. Yeah. And, uh, but what can happen is that the interaction is very weak so mm. for example there can be like a grav- gravitational in uh, interaction but uh, on this scale it's super small so even though if you had some like, super sensitive equipment you could maybe detect them but the equipment just uh, doesn't exist so mm. you don't know if that happens and target th- matter, 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 matter might be just there, like a clump, clumps of particles. Mm that do not interact with us in many ways, but they interact gra- gravitationally. And uh, that, that's another idea. Hours. We can spend hours talking, and you just listen to a bonus uh,
1: <laughs> clip of Fruxios explaining what dark matter and dark energy is. NASA, take note. <laughs> hire this guy. He's actually from NASA. Oh, okay. NASA, uh, hire him anyways, because you'll like uh, <laughs> land another rover in your on, on Mars. Um, Fruxios, again, thank you, dude. It was awesome.